Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Well, that was pretty cool. Mike Sielski, that's our new theme song. Glenn Mack, now I've never had a theme song before. I like it. <laughs> I want to thank Skip Denenberg, who is the official composer of 94 WIP for Dude. He did my original theme song at night. He did the one with Ray, and he, uh, he graciously wrote this. And, uh, yeah, I know for you. It's 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 a different experience. It's it's so- weird in part because the one with you and Ray was such an earworm yeah. that I would hear it on a Saturday morning and have it in my head the rest of the day and the following uh, 24 hours after that, too. I couldn't get it out of my head. So I hope hundreds of thousands of people throughout the Delaware Valley are experiencing the same sensation right now. Well, here's the thing. you I've been on vacation for the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. You are going on vacation I for am, the next yes. couple of weeks. So this is like the only time we're going to get to play it for a while. Dan Wilson, one more time. Welcome to the weekend, yeah, it's back again. We're glad you're here and listening to Mike and Glenn. They'll tell you what they're watching, keep you right on track now. Kick back with Mike Silski and Glenn Mack now. They've got a line on what's doing. There's always something going. So keep your radio Well, yeah, people are going to be hearing that a lot over the next (laughs) few years. And, yeah, it may be one of those things that does get in your mind and you can't get rid of it. But I like it, and really thank you very much to Skip Denver. It's great. great. Thank you, Skip. Yeah, okay. Anyway, all right, let us – so much to talk about today, Mike. we got a lot going on with the Flyers that we're going to get into. Anthony Sanfilippo is going to join us at 11 to talk about that franchise's huge decisions, uh, Phillies – Really hot, lose last night, but have been in a real good hot streak. Scott Lauber from the Inquirer is going to join us at noon. We'll talk about them all day. We have a lot of TV things to talk about today, including the best show on TV right now and some horrible, horrible decisions by ESPN. But we start with really the news, which is James Harden. And I I, I want to run this by you because I really didn't think that this was going to be the way it was going to go, that he was going to opt in to one year at 35 and then ask for a trade. I figured either Daryl Morey would make him a multi-year offer, he would accept it, which neither of us wanted to nope. see, or he would just find some place headed into free agency, wink, wink, nobody talks in advance, have that deal done by 6.02 the other night. It was going to pay him. Neither of those happened, and Mike, this adds a new dynamic. He wants out. They have to figure out a trade. Were you surprised? Am I a dope? Were you surprised, too? No, I think everybody was surprised by this outcome. 
Glenn, for the very reasons that you said. On the one hand, you thought if the Sixers are going to keep him, it seems unlikely that he's going to sign a one-year, he's going to opt out and sign a one-year contract when he could opt in and get $35 million. Uh, and if they walked away, then they walked away and he would go somewhere else. Uh, the fact that he opted in and then requested to be traded, I think gets to how, I don't know if weird is the right word, James Harden is. He's mm-hmm. he's really smart and kind of different, kind of idiosyncratic. There's scuttlebutt out there amongst national media members who cover the NBA that he was offended or upset that the Sixers didn't come to him right away to talk about an extension and that that annoyed him, so therefore he opted in and wants to be traded. Well, I don't think anybody— It's not a smart way to live your life. It's not, um, but this is James Harden. Uh, I don't know that there is it's smart— It's not personal, <laughs> smart Michael way to... said. Yeah, that's right. It should be. Um, but, yeah, I, I think everybody was surprised by him opting in and, and requesting the trade. Okay, so they have to make a trade. They have to figure out what to do. My sense, if I'm Dar- if is that Daryl Morey, based on what we saw with Ben Simmons, is not going to feel the pressure to rush into making a deal. No. Not going to trade him for 25 cents on the dollar, which is probably what's out there right now. Yeah, I, I don't know what you would get to meet people's expectations of what they think they ought to get for James Harden, if that makes sense. Harden needs to have the ball in his hands to be an effective player, even at this stage of his career. So that limits the number of teams where he would be a fit, where they would be willing to say, okay, James, you can run the show for us, play the way you want to play, and we'll be cool with that. There are only so many places where that works, so there's only so much the Sixers could conceivably get in return for him. So he's in limbo right now. And I think, as I just said, I think this may he may be in limbo for a long time. I don't think, you know, by the end of next week, it's like, hey, they traded James Harden to the Clippers, and look what they got. Right? No. I don't think so. I think it's going to linger and it's linger. Maybe they get it done right before the season, or maybe it goes into the season. You, Mike Sealski, are you glad to see that it's unlikely he will ever play here again? I am. Not for anything personal against James Harden or anything like that, or not even the style of play really specifically. Uh, To me, re-signing Harden, if the Sixers had done that, and presumably it would have taken giving him more than one year. You're signing up for two years, maybe three. Glenn, that's exactly the kind of decision that made the process viable and a a thing to pursue in the first place, (laughs) Mm. is trying to win right now and making the kind of move where you're going to win right now and it's a move that has very little chance of working. We have seen the James Harden, yeah, Joel Embiid I watched experience. that movie a couple times. I know the ending. I don't yeah, like it. I don't it, need it again. No, I, I don't think it was going to work. Yeah. And so what would you have been left with? You'd have been left with a guy who's going to turn 34 next month, who's declining in his skills, who's getting older, and who, by the nature of the way he plays, has to be the centerpiece of your offense and your, and your team when you have the ball. He's useless if he's not that. And you just finished a season where he led the league in assists and complained about having to give up his basketball freedom to do it. Yeah, so I know. Goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. I, listen, I don't bear him animosity. The, you know, like I'm not going to say he's the biggest loser to pass through no, town and all that. No. I really don't. And you know, that's I. I wish him well. Just not here. I was really tired of watching it and don't think it's going any further. And. You know, dribble, 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 four seconds left on the shot clock. What are we going to do? It's right. like, uh, I don't need that. 
there is a um, a sense or a narrative that's developing now as to the guy who's going to benefit the most from Harden leaving is Tyrese Maxey, which makes a lot of sense to me. And I know you wrote about this a little bit. Before we get into your point, I want to play something. This is from Tim, Tim Legler, excuse me, uh, who I respect a lot. Earlier this week on ESPN, one of the few left on ESPN, by the way, and yeah. Tim, hopefully – don't check your email this morning because you don't know what's going to be in there. Anyway, he was on ESPN talking about how he doesn't want Harden back and spoke highly of Tyrese Maxey. Do you know who's he talking to? Do we know? Yeah, Freddie Coleman. Um, oh, from ESPN. Yeah, it was Freddie on first Coleman. take. Freddie Coleman, the old uh, WFAN guy. Freddie I think Coleman? so. Yeah, oh, I like Freddie Coleman. Yeah, good guy. I didn't know he was on ESPN. Yeah, really All good right. guy. Anyway, shows you how much I watched it. Uh, okay, but I do like Legler, and I kind of I I am intrigued by what he says, and so this is projection. Can Tyrese Maxey be the guy? Is is he that guy? He's not that guy yet, but I think there's merit and truth to what Legler said there about Harden being an impediment as much as a benefit to Maxi, And I think there's an analogy for this, Glenn. Go back, if you're a Phillies fan, you probably remember this you know, very, very well. In 2006, trade deadline, the Phillies are seven games under 500. they They're a total disappointment. Charlie Manuel's in his second season as manager. He's dead man walking. That was killing him. <laughs> Pat Gillick. I remember for what I was saying. Yes, go on. Pat Gillick is in his first season as the general manager. He didn't hire Charlie. And at the trade deadline, he trades Bobby Abreu and Corey Lytle, pitcher, mm-hmm. to the Yankees for just four no-name prospects. And it looks like they're waving the white flag on the season. I mean, Abreu is the Phillies' most accomplished player. He's their best hitter at that time. Hey, gold He's, Glover. He, yeah. <laughs> Well, one of the great lines about Bobby Abreu, I forget who said it, but uh, that he played right field like the outfield wall was made of marshmallow. Oh, <laughs> or he wished it was made of marshmallow. Wished it was, yeah. yeah. He played it like it was made of hand grenades. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so Gillick makes this trade. Goodbye, Bobby Abreu. It looks like the Phillies are writing off the season. But what ends up happening, it's a turning point for the franchise because now the clubhouse and the team become Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley's mm-hmm. and Ryan Howard's. And those guys take more ownership and realize, okay, it's our time now. And you could point to that moment as kind of the kickstart of the next five and a half years that become the best era of Phillies baseball of all time. And I do think there's something similar at play here if you remove Harden from the equation and give more to Maxie. Because you know he's got the character and the makeup to take that on. You know he's the kind of he's a Jalen Hurts kind of guy. He's going to maximize whatever skills he has. Yeah, you're going to get the best out of him, whatever it is. The question is, can Tyrese Maxey elevate himself? Which is interesting a word to use because he's not that big, right. which is yeah. one of the biggest problems he has. Um, to develop into a guy who can be the second guy in the championship team, I don't know that he can. I think he can be the third guy in a championship team. And was held back by Harden, but I th- still think you need another guy. Let, let me frame it this way then, Glenn. Is it worth getting Harden out of the mix, having Maxi take this upcoming year, you hope he improves in the way we're talking about, and then with Harden off the books and presumably De- Tobias Harris off the, off the books after next season, 
you can go find a number two guy with Embiid. Yes, yes, yeah. I do. Th- I do think that is a good way to do it. And and what you hope this means is that they they get younger, they right. get they get more athletic. That Nick Nurse has the chance to like, okay, this is the offense I want to run, and mm-hmm. I couldn't run it with Harden, but now I could run it here. There are rumors, rumors, rumors going around. Windhorse, right? Brian Windhorse. Oh, he loves his rumors. He he does. And he, listen, I respect him. He's a he's a guy who knows what he's doing. Yeah, um, he just he likes to float things that are plausibly deniable. You know what I mean? That's interesting. He he. I'm just saying. I'm hearing okay. this thing uh, that may or may not happen. Don't hold me to it, but that sort of thing. Well, he said Damian Lillard is a possibility, which would certainly cost you Maxi. I mean, I, oh yeah, I would do that in a heartbeat. I don't see it being feasible. No, I don't love either. Tyrese Maxi, but I'd do that in a second. Absolutely. Um, Kyle Newbach, uh, Kyle Newbeck, excuse me, is very good. Um, yes, locally for PhillyVoice.com, had a piece yesterday about how complicated it would be trading for Lillard. Because of salary things and matching, and I don't want to get into the weeds about it, but that it, it would be a really difficult kind of move to make, uh, and and still, all and still, getting back to Maxi, that the Sixers are not are going to uh, not take the opportunity to sign Maxi to a maximum contract because they want to keep the flexibility. They don't right. have to do it this year. So right. Why do it? Mm-hmm. And it gives them better opportunity if they want to trade him, if they want to move on, if they want to do something else next year to do it. So are the Sixers playing for 2024-25? Yeah. I think they probably are now. And I think that was always kind of the right thing to do. Uh, you don't want to get caught in a situation where – you have bad contracts that are unmovable. I've used this line before with you, Glenn. I'll use it again. If you would sign James Harden to a multi-year contract, I don't care what the number is, that immediately becomes the worst contract in the NBA. You're locked into a guy who you know is not getting any better and who you know, through what he's been saying in the media and probably saying internally, doesn't want to play the way he just played this past season. This was the best of all possible scenarios for James Harden. The executive who had made his career on trading for James Harden the first time, Daryl Morey, had gotten his hands back on him. He was next to the best big man at the time in the sport. You know, Nikola Jokic has an argument now, but let's say for yeah. the sake of argument, Joel yeah. Embiid, best big man in the sport. They can pick role teams to death. They've got other players around him. This is it. And guess what? It didn't work. Didn't do anything. Didn't get you any further than it got you the year before that and the year before that, and that's where they are. And so I'm fine with it. I think most people are. Certainly want to hear from you. Uh, we'll go to the phones in just a second. 215-592-9494. 215-592-9494. But a couple other small things going on with the Sixers, which is they lost two free agents yesterday, guys, in the rotation. Uh, Shake Milton goes to Minnesota, and George Niang uh, gets a three-year, $26 million deal with the Cavaliers. I mean, neither is earth-shaking, but they're, no, they're, not, guys, they're guys you got to replace Terrifically now. nice guys, um, you know, parts of the Sixers rotation. But when you speak about, Glenn, getting more athletic, I think it's turning over guys like Shake Milton and George Niang and getting different styles of player. You know, you mentioned Nick Nurse and the teams he liked to coach in mm-hmm. Toronto. Those teams were long and strong and tough. And the, that isn't Shake those, Milton and no, George Niang. No, that is not those guys. Okay, let's uh, let's talk to Ray in Hatfield. Ray, what are you thinking about the Harden thing? Good morning, gentlemen. Happy Fourth of July. Thank you. You Thanks, too. Ray. Uh, yeah, my thing is, James Harden is a narcissist. He's selfish, 
and Joel Embiid is a man-child. You know, we need some alpha males on this team. You know, I'm 60 years old. Yeah. When I was a kid, I worked since I was 12 years old, and I grew up around, like, World War II vets that were in their 40s and 50s. They told me how to be a man. These guys were a joke. Well, you're questioning Joel Embiid's work ethic? What are you questioning here? No, he's immature. Okay. Immature is a little is. different he, than he, what I'm interpreting, but okay. He's, he's very immature, and, and James Harding is a narcissist. He's selfish. You know what? I'll take $100 million to go down the center of the lane and flap my arms like a duck. Okay? I'm, I'm sure you're the guy there, you're the guy there looking for yeah. to do it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I don't know that Joel Embiid is immature now. I think he's grown up quite a bit since he came into the league with the Sixers. I, I think and have said that there's a tick higher level than Embiid has to get to uh, to be truly, truly great amongst the greatest of the great. Uh, and we, you and I have talked about that before. Yeah, and and it is a lot of that is innate. A lot of yeah. that, is, I mean, listen, you wrote the Kobe book, right? Yeah. And the Kobe book, uh, by the way, terrific book, and the name of the book is? The Rise. And I can get it where? Anywhere you get books. There, thank you. That's good. <laughs> Amazon, Barnes & Noble, your local bookstore. Go okay. to your local bookstore. And in reading that book, which is really about how Kobe became Kobe, what you what I learned in reading it is the... I have to kill you. Yeah. Ethic. Yep. Right. That he had, that Jordan had, that certain, uh, there's certain a lot guy. of superstars in sports, and then there are those superstars who have that thing. Now, if that's what the last caller was referring to, yeah, I would agree that it appears that Joel Embiid doesn't have it. Right. He went a little further than I would go. Yeah. I don't know about the alpha male thing, but, you know, there is that killer instinct, that that drive that I that certainly Kobe had, that Jordan had. That a few guys have. Yeah, and I think with respect to Harden, the nar- the word narcissist, you-, you can draw that conclusion based on the way he likes to play. In that, like you said, Glenn, he's dribbling the ball at the top of the key, and everything is going to come from him. Yeah, I'm going out and getting a sandwich and coming back before he right. you know, decides what to do with it. And, and But that's it. He wants everything to come down to his decision-making. That's his version of basketball freedom. And so you can say that's narcissistic. It it worked really well in regular seasons for the Houston Rockets for a long, long time. I don't think it works as well in the postseason, and that gets to uh, why the Sixers, I think, will benefit from not bringing him back. It will all be very interesting to see how that plays out. We're eager to talk to you about that today. We have a lot more. Listen, for July, I've been doing this this gig for a long time, and I have to tell you, usually on July 1st going into the 4th of July weekend, we're doing every, you know, every theme, gimmick theme we can. show yeah, you want to you want to do. But there's a lot going on. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Flyers. And I think you're going to probably put me a little bit back me into a corner. Just a, a tad. Yeah, Just that's, a tad. That's OK. I, I appreciate it. And uh, and the Phillies we will talk about what they did last night and what they have been up to and what they may be moving toward. And we have a lot, a uh, lot on the agenda today. 215-592-9494. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you replace your old inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Now, right now, Guida is offering the best discounts of the year with their big 40% off summer sale on all expertly installed windows and doors. You have drafty windows you've been meaning to replace? Well, you get 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient triple-pane windows. 
you need new doors, well, Guide has got you covered there as well with 40% of all high-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket and pay it off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go Guide it right now so that you can take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st. So call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sealski, Len Mack, now 94 WIPR. We're going to get into Flyers in a minute. We'll grab a call, though, here beforehand. Rick and Easton, always a good caller, even though he once called Stalling on my son in a wrestling match. Did he really? Yeah, he did. The jerk. Hi, Rick. And the and the Marsh watch, you're still winning. He's slightly over 280 right now. Oh yeah, I'm going to definitely win that. <laughs> I don't know about He's that. A, we'll hey, think. listen, man he he was a little bit of uh, under the the radar pick up last year, and I I think he's going to be a good center fielder for them for five, six years. Rick, he's Believe no, me, I'm pulling for him. He, he's no like Mickey Moniac, Rick. Oh, no, he's not. Man. No, he's not. But you know what? I'd like to see him try to steal a base once in a while. He is like the yeah. fastest Philly on I the agree. team, isn't he? Uh, he well, Turner's he, pretty Turner's, quick. Turner's one of the fastest right guys there, in baseball. He's but right there. No, he's a guy who should be stealing more bases. But having, so but real having quick, a good year. Mike, I, lo- I love your analogy with Maxi and uh, Brian Howard, Utley, that whole Abreu trade, and Rollins. Uh, however, those are three great players, and they had each other to fall back on. This is, you're putting possibly the whole thing on Maxi. Is he, is he going to be able to handle that pressure? Well, I don't think we're putting the whole thing on Maxi. I'm not suggesting you get rid of Joel Embiid. I do think, though, Rick, that it's possible that by moving Harden out you take this season and look they're not gonna, the likelihood is they're not going to be as good and maybe you have to take that one on the chin for the sake of flexibility and the ability to add pieces later on and maybe one of those pieces becomes the number 2 guy or the number 1A alongside Maxi who can help him continue to grow and be the player everybody hopes he can be I just I like I, it. I mean, I like it. I hope I hope it can work out. And real quick, guys, because I know you have a lot of things going on. Are we having a changing of the guard with the Phillies aces? Are we like a Suarez and Tyron Walker? Didn't he like quietly get to nine wins? Is he knocking on the door to be an All Star? And uh, versus uh, Noah and Wheeler. Well, let's see. It's it's not a big enough sample size, but I will tell you. And thanks. Hey, always a pleasure. I I'm really delighted with what you're getting out of Ranger Suarez and out of um, uh, Taiwan Walker. It's been great. Really good, because Nola is having a down year, and it's now at midseason, and he's still having a down. I think he's the guy who has yet to adjust to the pitch clock. Yeah. He has pitched this way his entire life from, I'm sure, when he was in high school. Guys get on base, Mm -hmm. slows it down, and his OPS with guys on base is astronomical. And the only thing I can tie it to is he hasn't yet figured out that, like, you got to get yourself ready and prepared mentally to throw within this amount of time. Their rotation is a really good, could be a really good case study in how the pitch clock helps and hurts pitchers, right? Because Walker turned his season around by realizing physically he had to change his routine. He had to get in, however you want to define it, better shape mm-hmm. to pitch at the pace that the, the clock was demanding that he pitch at. And Ranger Suarez worked fast anyway. And now it's almost like he can get into a rhythm that no batter can break. Uh, 
those two have been absolutely terrific, and maybe they're benefiting from the clock in the same way that Nola's being hurt by it. Playoffs start right now, okay? Mm-hmm. And understand, and you know, the first round of baseball, you, you yeah. got to win those games. What's your rotation? If you can set your rotation, what's your rotation? Zach Wheeler in game one, Ranger Suarez in game two. I probably put Taiwan Walker oh, in game three. Oh, okay. I go Nola three. I okay. can't move. I can't move him out of the rotation. But I agree with you on the first two. Yeah, I agree. And Ranger Suarez is. I I don't think this is an illusion. We have seen him yep. pitch this well. I think he is this guy. I'm very up on him. All right, let's work in the other franchise. Oh yeah, that we don't talk about a lot. By the way, Anthony Sanfilippo is going to join us at eleven. We're going to talk some Flyers. All right, so here we go. Provorov out. Kevin mm-hmm. Hayes is gone. I think what they get from him a bad uh, pucks. A sixth round draft pick. All right, Justin Braun is gone. Uh, more to follow. You know that Keith Jones, Danny Beer are trying to get rid of those. Those bad contracts, those those toxic players. Uh, and in the draft, they take a swing on a kid who may not be here for three years. Mm-hmm. Is this, well, it is a great experiment to see how Flyer fans support. Will they support? I, see, I don't want to call it a tank shot. No, you don't. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a tear is- down to the studs. It's Keith Jones saying... Be patient for a long time because we're going to stink. Uh-huh. You, could, you know, You know. there's a word for that around here, Glenn. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, what do you got? Uh, it starts with P and ends with Aces. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, oh, go ahead. Yeah, put, put, look, me in, put me in that corner because I, I there, deserve to be. There is nothing different about what the Flyers are doing now and what the Sixers started doing in 2013 under Sam Hinkie. Okay. Well, go ahead. I'm well, sorry. you you there you're going to make an argument that there are small differences. I'm no, not sure I'm going to make matter. an argument that right now, at the very beginning of it, that may be correct. And mm-hmm. at the very beginning of Sam Hankey's process, I had no problem with it okay. because it's like, okay, you know, we we feel we've reached as far as we can go with this. We're going to start all over. We're going to get young. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. We're going to you know draft guys. What the hell was the word he always used? Uh, uh, optionality. Optionality and pick up 47 second round draft picks and the whole thing. Right. Okay. It, it goes even deeper than that, though, and this is to what you brought up about the kid that they picked with the seventh overall pick the other night. Yeah. Uh, a Russian forward named Matvey Michkov, okay, yeah. an 18-year-old kid who was regarded as the second most talented player in the entire draft. There was Connor Bedard, who was thought to be the next Sidney Crosby, Gretzky, Connor McDavid, and then Matvey Michkov. So how does that kid fall to the seventh pick? Because teams aren't sure he, when he's coming over from Russia. He or, signed a con- or, or if. It, or it, if. It being Russia. Yeah, he signed a contract with the KHL, the professional team over there. Even if he gets out of that, will he be able to come over? Sounds suspiciously familiar to what the Sixers did in 2014 when they drafted Joel Embiid. I didn't have a problem with Embiid. Neither I didn't have did a problem I. with Dario Saric, by no. the way. And I was not one of the people like, oh, he's never coming over. I was not that guy, okay? No, I get it. I, I was it. the guy that said two things. One, I understand you're going to be lousy, but you can't deliberately be lousier than you could is be. Possible. Yeah. yeah, you have to try within the parameters of what you've got with young players and contract issues and so on. You have to try to put the best team on the ice that you can. And I felt that Sam Hinkie deliberate, like there was one he didn't even sign a point guard. Right, right. Yeah, we'll win ten games and like that's okay. I don't think that's okay. I mm-hmm. think you can struggle. And you can build slowly, and you can favor the young over the old, and the un, you know unproven over the 
proven to be mediocre, mm-hmm. but I don't think that you – I don't want to see them deliberately lose games. I think that that is a, is a cheat against the fans and the ethics of the game. Okay. Two, I want to see how long it goes. Because with Hinky, and we will never know because he, he left, you know, and did the whole – Manifesto. Yeah. Um, I, I have no idea whether Hinky – if it was Hinky was still here, if we'd mm-hmm. still be in the middle of the process. Right. So, right. uh, you know, there's there has to be an end point for it, too. Yeah, and Keith Jones is has gone on the record uh, on this station, I believe, saying uh, that this shouldn't last more than three years, the mm-hmm. Flyers' rebuild. But it might. There's no—I think the difference between what Keith Jones has said and what Sam Henke said is that Henke actually, in a way, told you the truth, which was you never know when you're going to get the player or players— who really lead to the upswing and the real turnaround. So I can't tell you how long it's going to take. Jonesy, has, having been in the market for a long time, knows better and is yes. going to say, yes. we're going to get this done in three years. Yes. You know, so there is a difference there. But I, I did see some pushback on the idea of the Flyers drafting a player who wasn't going to come over here maybe in a best-case scenario for three years. And I get that from the fan base. I understand that they – have been waiting a long time for the team to be good again and want the team to be good, that doesn't mean it's close to being good. And it doesn't mean that you should pass up on a potentially great player because you're afraid he might not come over here. They haven't had a great player since Lindros. I mean, Giroux, yep. was, Giroux was a really good player, yeah. right? He wasn't star power player. I don't mean to denigrate Claude Giroux's career. For all I know, in the NHL, he's a Hall of Famer given mm-hmm. the standards they use for their Hall of Fame. Uh, and he had, a, he had a very good career here and took a lot of heat from people because the team was lousy around right. him and he didn't always come up big in big games. Mm-hmm. Um, but they haven't had anybody that you pay to see since Lindros. Yeah. They, they don't have anybody, to, to go real old school here, back when there were water coolers, they don't have anybody who's part of the water cooler conversation, like mm-hmm. who, who takes them from out of the realm of really hardcore hockey fans to the average Joe Oh, did you see the Flyers last night? Yeah, did you see, see what this that kid, guy did? That yeah. guy did? Yeah, yeah. They haven't had anybody like that in forever since so Lindros. So the question I ask um, is how do Flyer fans feel about this? Are Flyer fans willing to are supportive of this? They know their attendance is going to be terrible next year. Their attendance was terrible this year. Um, and, you know, fan support isn't always based on people going to the games. I get right. that, okay? But I'm I, we put the call out now to Flyer fans – are you good with this? Does this work for you? If they stink for the next three, four years, but take that big swing, are you okay with that? I think very similar. This is just my guess, but very similar to the way people reacted to the process with the Sixers. I think it's going to be generational. I think older Fires fans who grew up on Ed Snyder and going all in all the time when you could do that mm-hmm. are going to be less inclined to wait. I think the younger generation that has followed the team through a salary cap era probably will say, you know what, this is what you have and to do. And has never seen the team win anyway. Exactly. This is what you have to do to be great, so do I'm you, willing to stick it with it. Maybe it will. I don't know if it will be as, as uh, generational. Well, I can't give you a reason why it won't other than that I support it, mm-hmm. at least for today. Yeah. I, so I, we'll I'm, curious. I'm curious. I'm right. curious. I'll say this, Glenn, and mm-hmm. this is the honest truth, and – I hope my friend is listening. I have one of my best friends in the world who is smart and generous, and my kids call him uncle, 
and he's just one of the best people on the planet. He is the most rabid Flyers fan I know. And when it comes to talking about this team, he loses all rationality and good sense. Yeah. And he his initial reaction to the Mitchkoff draft pick was, I can't believe they took a player who, in the best-case scenario, we won't see for three years. Really? This is ridiculous. And he and I are going back and forth about it on a text chain. And Hey, this kid might be Yager. Yeah. I mean, I you know, I don't know what an 18-year-old becomes in five years, ten years, but from what I read, and again, we'll have Anthony Sanfilippo, who's probably watched him a little bit, he has the opportunity to be one of the best five, like, ten players in the NHL. If you had a chance to draft Alexander Ovechkin, wouldn't you right. have taken it? Yes. This is They drafted Mike Ricci ahead of Yager. Right. I don't need Mike Ricci again. No. We, I've had a generation no. of Mike Ricci's. And, and the thing is, Glenn, the thinking that they used in making this pick, to me, was really smart, which is all these other teams are scared off uh, from the risk of taking him. Uh-huh. Right. So let's exploit that. Let's yeah. take a chance and yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Let's get Bob and Penn sucking. You're on with uh, Mike and Glenn. Good morning, Bob. Hey, guys. How are you doing today? Great. Hi, Bob. Great show. Great show, you guys. Um, first of all, I want to talk Flyers. Anything about the um, that Russian's kid's father dying two months before he, he was extended to that three-year deal? It's kind of weird that his dad was found behind their house. I mean... Do, I don't know. Do, I, I don't know anything about. I know his father there. died, yeah. but I don't know the circumstances. Yeah. We, we'll ask Anthony when he's on. Okay. He, may, he may know something. Okay. And Philly's oh, ball. Last night's game, the team's not scoring runs. I understand that. It's a 2 1 game. You're at home, man on second base. Why not play small ball in the eighth? You got a man on second with no outs. Why not bunt him to third base? Why let Marsh and. Um, first baseman hit away. I mean, we ain't hitting. We ain't scoring. So we got to produce small ball. We have to get that run home. Well, here, and at least tie here, the game up. Here, here's the argument I can tell you that um, <laughs> someone like Rob Thompson would make, Bob, which is yeah. that mathematically speaking, by the numbers, your chances of getting a runner from second home and scoring him with no outs are the same or better than getting him home from third with one out. And if you're going to play small ball, you got to have two things go right. You got to have the guy, the the hitter get the runner to third base on a ground ball or a bunt, and then you got to have the next guy hit a deep fly ball to score him. Whereas if you let Marsh swing away, all you need is a single. Or if you let the next guy swing away, all you need is a single and you're going to score the runner and tie the game. So small ball's over uh, overrated. A little bit, yeah. 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 There, there are times and there are moments and there's stuff, but yeah, generally I'm that's that. Yeah, the hitting the ball to the right side thing always kind of like that's a really challenging thing for a hitter to do, and like we just kind of expect kind of, kind of applause. Yeah, it was in the dugout. It's big time. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We'll get some calls up in the next segment. We'll work a little more Phillies into the conversation. By the way, you do want to be listening when we do what we're watching today around eleven twenty five, because I am telling you. This is the best show on television this year, and I'm delighted that I got Mike Sielski now to start watching it. I'm in. The interesting part is you're going to give a review of the early episodes, yes. and I'm going to give a review of the current episodes, and then we're going to get thousands of people to start watching the show. And the producers of the show are going to give us a cut and get us in an episode, and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> Ooh, I didn't think of that. Yeah, well, you're the actor. They they should be coming for you. That's exactly right. Mike and Glenn on 94 WIP.
<laughs> that is a tremendous call by those two guys, Fransky in L.A. I think Kyle Schwarber needs to go into left field wearing a black jacket, a bulletproof vest, and a hard hat. So, so listen, they've won, they before last night they'd won eighteen out of twenty. Yeah, it's, it's so it's, like it's I, you know, I, I can't I can't get yeah. too upset about it. They are they are currently two and a half games out of a wild card, mm-hmm. um, with you know momentum on their side. L.A., the Giants, Miami, uh, and Miami's got a tough schedule coming up. Uh, Milwaukee's kind of in the race behind the Reds. Boy, the Reds are good. Um, the Reds are interesting. See that which coming, is, which yeah, is all great. Yeah, which is great. It is. Uh, there's no way the Phillies are going to catch Atlanta. Clearly, the best team in the National League. But all right, so let's do this because we do this a lot mm-hmm. today. Mike Sealski. Yes. The snapshot. I say the Phillies' chances of making the postseason are up to. 56% is the first time I have publicly been above 50%. Hello, where are you? I'm at 80. 80%. 80? Yep. I'm 80. 80%. If they are, look. Wow, you've got confidence coming off you. They're five games over 500 at the midway point with Trey Turner having been a shadow of who Trey Turner has been throughout his career. Yeah. With Aaron Nola not adjusting and not pitching well. Mm-hmm. With injuries to their bullpen, uh, with Bryce Harper having missed significant time, I think things are trending in the right direction for this team. And I think that expecting them to win between 86 and 90 games is very, very reasonable. And that probably ought to get you into the wild card. And after that, with the pitchers they have at the top of their rotation and that lineup, all bets are off. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Back to Schwarber, who giveth and taketh away. Oh, he, he hit the he first t- pitch home run on Thursday. He right? giveth and he taketh. And yeah. then he bumbled one on left field. So I did this math, and you told me Alex Coffey did it for the Inquirer. Our math is a little different, so you can tell me what she's got. But I was looking – I actually said that the math is incorrect. I you looked, looked at ba- I looked at baseball, <laughs> baseballreference.com. That's how I did the math. So I don't want to give myself any more credit than, That's I, than, right. I, I, than I deserve. But I can't do math now. Both my kids are learning – some form of math with which I am unfamiliar. Oh, my, yes, and it's they, they they. I can't help they them. Add differently than we've had it our whole lives. Yes, I, I was seeing this the other the other week. I can't help them. I just throw my hands up like guys. I, I don't know. And my my older one is already through algebra one, and so I'm. Oh, that I could do. Algebra, I was good at. Well, he's at a level that I can't touch. But but it just. But she's even I want to get back stuff. on the thing. Yeah. I wanna, to me, math was like always the thing that like doesn't change. It's math. It's right. like it's numbers, and you add them, and you divide them. And now they do math a whole different way. That like, when did that start? Yeah. Okay. Schwarber. Um, according to what I looked up, he is minus sixteen in defensive runs saved versus the average left fielder, mm-hmm. according to Stats on Baseball Reference. The Phillies, as a team, according to this same site, coincidentally minus sixteen. Which means that without Schwarber, they are an average defensive team. And this was before last night, so right. they probably lose a little bit more. He's killing you out there, just killing you. And I mean, I you know the the batting one eighty thing and hitting home runs is all really kind of weird. Batting leadoff, I'm just I'm still not comfortable with that. I don't know what you do with the guy, except that I want him out of left field. Well, I think 
what they're pointed toward. And Dave Dombrowski did an interview, uh, I believe, with Todd Zalecki uh, within the last few days in which he made a point of saying that it's looking more and more like Bryce Harper is going to be at first base before the end of this season. They really want that to happen. Mm -hmm. If that can be a viable strategy night to night to have Harper at first, couldn't you then put Pache in left, take care of your defensive worries there, and have Schwarber be your leadoff designated hitter? And then nobody's going to get killed in left field by a falling baseball. So you're saying you're essentially replacing Clemens with Pache in the lineup as your kind of like young guy who may not be able to hit very much, but like will live with it. Right. But and you you'll be better on defense. But you'll be better in the Assuming outfield. that Harper can play first base, by the way, which we don't know. Right. I, that, it's like true. kind of assume, like, well, he's going to go to first base. It'll be fine. I That's not exactly like easy peasy. No, you're right. It's so We'll <laughs> see how that works. It makes you think he of that, may be a butcher there. It makes you think of that scene in the movie Moneyball where Brad Pitt's trying to tell the player, we're going to move you to first base. Uh, it's pretty easy. You know, it's yeah. not that hard. Tell yeah. him, Wash, and the coach says, it's incredibly really hard. hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't know about that, but I I hear the strategy. Marsh is good in center field. He's I think fine. he's yeah. I think he's good defensive play. Screwed one up the other day, but he's he's good. Uh, Real Muto is can't hit the ball anymore, but he he's a good catcher. Mm-hmm. He made a terrific play the other night against the Cubs. Stott Turner's made some errors, but I still believe in his defense. Stott's a good second baseman. You're good up the middle. Yeah, it's really left field, and Bohm is okay anymore. He's not bad. Right, he's kind of moved toward average, mediocre. I live with that. It's right it's, field, left field, particularly left field's killing you. Yeah, and we've again talked about this before, and I've pointed it out before. It's a bigger issue now because you can't shift these players. You can't mm. have Kyle Schorber stand in the spot where the hitter is likely to hit the ball and just catch it when the hitter hits him, hits it to him. Yeah. He has to run, he has to move, he can't shift, and that exposes him defensively even more than his inability to play defense already did. So it's uh well, it's a very problem. well said. Art in Woodbridge, you're on with Mike and Glenn. What's happening, Art? Good morning, guys. Hi, Art. Pleasure to be here. Um I just have a question on the NFL supplemental uh draft this year. Uh they're bringing it back first time in probably four, five, six years. Uh is there anybody interesting uh, in the draft, from what I saw today, there was like two wide receivers and one was questionable NFL talent. Well, I'm not that interested then. Uh, I don't think the Eagles have a lot of interest in adding a wide receiver, so I don't know why they would do that to begin with. The way those supplemental drafts work are if you – basically it goes through the rounds and teams kind of say like, okay, uh, I don't want this guy now, but in the second round I would take him. And then you lose that pick in the next draft. Yeah, I I don't know these particular players of whom you are speaking. I just don't see the Eagles making move particularly for a wide receiver. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm just wondering because there's there's always going to be some players that enter at the at oh. the last second. Chris, Chris Carter the, uh, is the one that. I, 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 yeah. Speaking look, of wide receivers, thanks. Yeah, you're you're talking about guys who <clears throat> oftentimes have had a shot and. Have a lot of talent, but it hasn't worked out for the reasons it didn't work out for Chris Carter. He had problems off the field with drugs. Uh, you're talking about guys like Josh Gordon and Terrell Pryor, who, for one reason or another, uh, couldn't stay on the field for non-football reasons. And then you pick a team takes a chance on him in the supplemental draft, and maybe it works out and maybe it doesn't. I don't think the supplemental draft is going to be the difference between the Eagles 
you know, getting to the NFC Championship game again and not. Best player ever in the supplemental draft was? It's a bit of a trick question. <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, Eagle. Best Eagle. Reggie White. Yes, sir. Now, he was coming from the USFL, USFL. so it was a different kind of draft, but yes, that one worked out well for them. Uh, Bob in Williamstown wants to talk about it. Now, Bob, you are a Flyers fan. Are you willing to be patient for the next three years, five years, as they just kind of, to use the phrase, stink on ice? So, good morning. So, let me let me say this. I've been a, a fan since the inception year, which only makes me old. It doesn't make me more knowledgeable. I get that. It just makes me old. <laughs> <clears throat> but, so my last cup, I was a senior in high school. I've been patient. I'll continue to be patient, and here's why. If they didn't draft the Russian, and I, I'll learn his name rather just call him that the rest of his life, yeah. we would have, we would have drafted the right the right hand right shot defensive from Montreal. Who's not red? He'll sit a year, maybe maybe two years. We, Cutter won't get here until after two years. Forrester, it's going to be three years by the time he gets here. Brad Brink, it's going to be uh, four years. By, by the time he gets here. So I, I don't see the difference in it. You swing for defenses knowing that in basketball, the first three guys may, maybe make it. Baseball, no one makes it for all those years. Football, maybe the first half. Mm-hmm. And they, they, they use they use guys in the second half of the first round because they're on a guaranteed contract. So I, I don't see what they did swinging for defense was, was anything wrong because – they're stocking the farm system as they're going. Okay, good. Fully, if leadership decides that they're going to continue to clear out cap space because we're just not good enough. No, they're now, bad. You're, you're 100% right, Bob. Thanks, and Bob. Appreciate it. Appreciate the call. And this is a point, Glenn, I've been making for a long time, that Flyers people, whether you're talking about fans or people within the organization, would tout some of the younger players they had in the pipeline Guys like Ivan Provorov and Travis Konechny, and Konechny's a really good player, uh, but you would hear the same names over and over again, and you'd hear people say, well, look at how stocked the farm system is. You have to assume, basically, that two out of every three prospects that you have in your farm system aren't going to work out. Yeah, It's much, much harder to draft a, a player who turns out to be a star than one who turns out to not be a star, and... They've spent so many years giving away draft picks and wasting draft picks and missing on draft picks that they're doing the right thing now. Just gather as much talent as you can and see how it sorts itself out. The other thing about it is they have been so miserable to watch for the last couple of years. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. And again, I'm 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 not trying to relitigate the Sixers process. But to my way of thinking, before the Sixers ended the process, I could at least watch that team. Mm-hmm. It was frustrating because they weren't going anywhere, but at least I could watch them. Well, that 20- they had some players that I could watch. And the 2012 season, when they got to yeah, seven they games Chicago, the, right? Got to seven games against the Celtics. That was a perfect Philadelphia team. That was an overachieving yeah. team yeah, with a bunch of good guys scrappy. who played hard. Yeah. yeah, like Scrappy. Yeah, love Scrappy. This Flyers team just was a bunch of mutts. Yeah. For the Let, last couple of years, last just year, awful to watch. Last year in particular, the, the year before Tortorella came in and, and this pet, and they got younger. Um, it really was. It wasn't a good team in any regard. 215-592-9494. We'll talk a little more Flyers coming up in the next hour with Anthony Sanfilippo. But, of course, we keep all of the other teams in the conversation, and you are invited to join. 
He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now. Bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you replace your old inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guided Door and Window. Now, right now, Guided is offering the best discounts of the year. It's the big 40% off summer sale on all expertly installed windows and doors. So, you got drafty windows, you've been meaning to replace them, now's the time. You get 40% off each window you buy. Yep, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient triple-pane windows. Maybe you need new doors. Good luck. Guide has got you covered there as well with 40% off all high-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, storm doors. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket, paid off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go Guida right now, and you can take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st. Call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. I I believe was that, that Jim that was Jackson? A, that was <laughs> I believe that was a Russian broadcaster calling a goal by Matvi Michkov uh, over there in Russia, uh, but I'm not quite sure. So let's check in with Anthony Sanfilippo, our pal who covers the uh, Flyers and Phillies for Crossing Broad. He's the host of the Snow the Goalie podcast. Good morning, Anthony. You know, that sounded like Coatsy after I was at the bar with him for a couple of hours. <laughs> Speaking in tongues, right? So, <laughs> so who is this kid, Mishkov, and why is everybody saying that the Flyers are bold geniuses for taking the next Yaramir Yager? Yeah, I mean, look, Glenn, I mean, he widely has been considered by scouts um, around, the, around the league, around the, around the world, really, um, as one of the top prospects. Uh, in this year's draft. And, and there's a lot of people, a lot of scouts that you talk to who will tell you that he was number two to Connor Bedard. Um, and, and if you watch them play against each other in World Juniors, uh, not this past year, obviously, because Russia wasn't part of it, but uh, the year before, they were, he was neck and neck. I mean, he was with them the entire time. He, he played with them the entire time. He's that good of a prospect. The concern that every team had in front of uh, the Flyers was the fact that he is under contract in the KHL for three years. And some teams just have a harder time, especially small market clubs, selling their fans on waiting three years for a top player to come along because they are consistently bad, right? So it's a lot harder for those teams to make that commitment. And they'll tell you there's things that, oh, well, yeah, we're worried about him playing in the KHL, et cetera, et cetera. But the Flyers have been, with the new um, leadership group, have been so upfront about the fact that, hey, we're not going to be good for a few years, so it doesn't matter. Let's, let, we'll go get this guy. If he comes over sooner, great. If he doesn't, it's okay because it still reaches our timeline of when we want to start to be good again. So it was. It made sense for them, but the other teams, like you know, maybe the top two teams weren't going to take them. Although I think Anaheim made a, you know, could have could have as well. But beyond that, Columbus, San Jose, they were they were worried about it. Montreal, um, I think the Canadians they were so bereft of defense. That's why that they went that way. Arizona couldn't take them. They they're in a. They don't even know if they're, where they're going to be playing in a couple mm-hmm, years. Yeah. So I mean, it really just fell fell right to the fly. The Flyers believed he was going to Montreal. They honestly thought Montreal was going to take him, but the Canadians surprised everybody with a draft and a defenseman. So it, it fell right for the Flyers. They got a little bit lucky, but they ended up getting 
the second best prospect in this draft. All right, so Anthony, I have two questions for you out of what you just said. Yeah. Number one, and I know this is a fraud exercise, if there is a present-day NHL player who provides a kind of comp for who Mitchkoff can be, who is that player? Does he have a big shot like an Alex Ovechkin? Is he tough and smart and gifted with the puck like Sidney Crosby? Is there somebody else we're thinking of? Who's the comp for Mitchkoff? Yeah, so um, it's it's kind of a, a combination player. Um, I would say he's somewhere between uh, Kaprizov in Minnesota and Evgeny Malkin. He doesn't have Malkin's size, but he has that kind of offensive ability that Malkin had. Um, but he's he's shifty like Kaprizov is. So it's kind of like the, a combination of the two. Um, I will tell you that, again, all the scouts say he's the best Russian prospect since Ovechkin. Wow. And so and that includes, you know, some big-name yeah, players. Yeah, some good players right now, sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah so. So, and here's my other question, which yeah. is you've mentioned and, and I've written about it and, and anybody who's listened to the Flyers' new leadership team has heard them talk about their willingness to be patient and to rebuild this from the ground up. You talk to fans all the time. You hear from fans all the time. What kind of sense do you get from the Flyers fan base about their level of patience? Do you get the sense that people are willing to wait, or do you get the sense that people are saying, we haven't won a cup since 1975. We've been at the dregs of the league for the last 10 years. We want a winner right now. I don't want to wait. I think I think both um, uh, portions of the fan base are out there. I think, though, that because the Flyers are being transparent and honest about how they're rebuilding, I say that the majority of the fans are willing to be patient because they see the process going how it's supposed to go as opposed to aggressive retool. And, you know, oh, well, we're, we're, we're one player away or two players away. We'll get there. Don't worry about it. I think that if you're not gaslighting your fans and you're being honest with them, they're going to be – I mean, we know what Flyers fans used to be like, right? They were called Stepfords for a reason, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. so if you're – but if you're being honest with them, they'll, they'll go for the ride. They'll come on board. It's when you start making them think other, other than, otherwise from what, the, what your team really is that's where they get angry and frustrated and mad. And some of those people still exist, and you're never going to change their minds. But I think that the majority since this uh, leadership transition happened has been right back on board with what they're doing. So you use the word. You use the, you use the, the process word. Yeah. Is this any different from the Sixers process? Yes. I do think it's different than the Sixers process. I think that the plan here is not going to be a five- to seven-year thing. I think it's a three-year uh, plan. It, it, I think that they believe that they have some talent in the organization now that will be there and still good in three years. Um, but they also recognize the need to get high-end skill. Um, they feel like they got one last year in the draft with Cutter Gauthier. They obviously feel like they got one this year with Matvey Mishkov. And, you know, you're going to have two first-round picks next year. Um, one of them is certain to be high because the Flyers are going to stink, right? So they're going to be up there. You don't know what's going to happen with Florida. I know they were in the Stanley Cup final this year, but they were also lucky to even make the playoffs because the Penguins choked the game against the Blackhawks at the end of the year that would have knocked Florida out. Um, so Florida will be a wild card next year. Will they, will they be a playoff team? Will they not be a playoff team? 
And if they're not a playoff team, then that picks also part of the lottery. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, it, it is protected for top 10. So then it would get bumped to the following year. But anyway, you look at it. The point is the Flyers drafted two guys that they think are going to be, uh, you know, all-star caliber. They have the ability to become all-stars in this league. They'll get at least one more, maybe two, and then maybe even one more the year after. And so they, you're building the team that way. And right. then and from that point forward, then, yeah, then everything is, is you know, you hope that you hit. I got one. I got one follow on that, which is this team now has a new leadership, both in the Jonesy and Briere, but also Dan Hilferty and and everybody else yep. off the ice. New business. We were there last year. Well, you were there all the time, but and Mike and I were there sometimes, and there was six thousand people in those seats. Yeah, is ownership prepared for several years of empty arenas? I don't think it's going to be empty, Glenn. I don't. I think that they actually, if you if you look at it, let's go back two seasons. Right, not this past season, but the season before. That's when it was ugly. That's when it was the lowest crowds I've ever seen at a Flyers game. Um, this season, they did some things, and yes, they might have been giving away some tickets. There might have been a lot of comps. They might have been letting people in from other teams. We saw what that Rangers game was like. That was crazy. But they did have built the building was a little bit more full. the The fan experience was a little bit better. It was a little less gritty. Um, so I'm sorry. <laughs> there was a there was a little less gritty, mm. uh, <laughs> but uh, anyway, they they I think they they will get fans in there. It may not be selling out the building, but I also don't think it's going to be half empty crowds either. I think you're going to get fans that are come in and they're going to be excited to watch young kids play, and you know they're going to be competitive. That was the other thing when you go back two years, that team would get down three nothing in a game and lose it eight to two, mm. right? Last year's team would get down three nothing in a game and end up losing five to four in overtime, and so that's a that's a testament to you know the way Tortorella coaches, the way he gets his kids you know, guys to play and buy in. So they're going to be competitive. They may not win a lot, but they're going to be a, at least a competitive team to watch. We're talking to Anthony Sanfilippo, who covers the Flyers and the Phillies for Crossing Broad. Anthony, Anthony, you yeah. mentioned John Tortorella, and that name came up this week. Uh, in the aftermath of the Kevin Hayes trade, yeah. in that, obviously, Hayes was in Tortorella's doghouse uh, after the first several weeks of the season last year. He got benched. Uh, Tortorella publicly made it clear that he wanted more out of Hayes, and uh, the, the relationship fractured. And there's an argument to be made that if you're going to rebuild and if you're going to trade away veteran players, you need their value to be at its absolute highest and having that your head coach call out players publicly and bench these guys in a very overt manner uh, is damaging their trade value. And so you end up getting a sixth-round pick for Kevin Hayes when maybe you could have gotten something marginally better for that. What is the counterargument to that? So the counterargument to that is, and I, and I understand that, but the counterargument is this. If you go back to, let's go back to the beginning of December, and it was there was a day when both uh, John Tortorella and former GM Chuck Fletcher both had press conferences, one right after the other, and they contradicted each other. And Fletcher was the one. That was the time Fletcher came out and said, "Well, we're only five points out of a playoff spot. We're going to give it a give it the old college try." And that's when Tortorella, the same day, Tortorella said, "You know, uh, we're we're not even at the foundation level. We're at the footers." Right. So mm-hmm. you have two completely different messages from the two most important people in your organization. But what Tortorella was telling you at that point 
was I'm already in my head in rebuild mode, and I need to get our younger players playing the right way. And so if you have a veteran guy who is not playing the way you need him to play, then you should make an example of him. And it doesn't matter, you know, that you didn't get anything for him because really what's the difference? If, he, if Tortorella keeps his mouth shut and then he go and trade Kevin Hayes, what do you get, a third-round pick, a fourth-round pick? I, I, I don't know. I follow Anthony Sanfilippo on Twitter at Ant, Ant San Philly. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's and, it. Yeah. And I heard early in the week the possibility of, like, you know, pretty exciting trade. What well, about- that, but, that, but that keep in mind, Glenn, that included Travis Sanheim going in the same trade. And the Flyers were going to get a first-round pick out of that deal. But that also included the Flyers taking on – uh, Tory Krug's contract, which would have been four more years at $6.5 million, plus eating some of Kevin Hayes' contract. wouldn't have been 50%, but would have been, I think it was going to be about 30%. Mm. So, yes, you're going to get a first-round pick for that because you're giving them so much more. Got it. Then Tory Krug waves the no-trade clause, or won't waive his no-trade clause, and then you're like, okay, well, now they're just going to trade Kevin Hayes. Well, there's no value there. So what I'm saying is, is that, yeah, to Mike's point, yeah, if he keeps quiet and doesn't say anything – Maybe you get a fourth-round pick instead of a sixth-round pick. But then when you look at the grand picture, the big scheme of things, is it more important to send a message to young players that I'm willing to bench a veteran, high-priced player, all-star, for not playing the way I want them to play? What do you think that young kid's going to think when they start playing out there? Oh, shoot, I better play play the same way. Yeah, it's not a podcast, pal. No, I said shoot. I'm I know. I got it. I know you guys work under different standards. Yes. That's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is a family show, Anthony. Yes. <laughs> I got uh, it. We're good. Uh, one last one for me, which is, you know, what what happens next? What's left? Uh, you know, the Carter Hart thing. When Danny Breer was on our show and kind of discussed it, it I, I think for the first time, everybody's like, Whoa, "What? They might trade Carter Hart?" You see anything else coming down the pipeline this off season? I, so here's the thing. I, you know, free agency starts today in the NHL, and everybody keeps asking, the Flyers going to sign anybody? The Flyers going to sign anybody? And they may sign one or two, like, depth guys, you know, maybe like a veteran on a one-year deal just to kind of bring them in and then, you know, flip them at the trade deadline to get a mid-round draft pick down the road or whatever. Um, but I think more importantly, what, what, what's to note is, is that the, the salary cap only went up a million dollars. The free agency class is dreadful. This is a terrible free agency class in the NHL. And the Flyers still have players that they're willing to trade. So I do think that you're going to see more players moved off this roster this summer. Now, you might want to say, well, what about Travis Sanheim again? His no-trade clause kicked in today. Yeah. So yeah. it would it comes a little bit more complicated with him. And so I don't necessarily – think that that's going to be a thing right away do i think that maybe it gets to a point where you can say to him hey another team wants you would you be willing to go i mean he's not you know his relationship with torts is not the greatest either so maybe that's a that's a you know you convince him <laughs> seems a running get, theme now doesn't it you, you get tortorella yeah. in a room with him and say travis i will haunt your soul if you yeah. don't agree to be traded Exactly. Exactly. So i mean i think that that's something that can happen i do think there are other players that will come up in conversation uh, you know, I don't think the big names are going to go. I don't think Konechny is going to go this summer. I think he may be a trade deadline kind of guy. Um, I don't think Scott Lawton is going to go right away. But I do think you mentioned Carter Hart. Look, it really, really depends on what that report is later this month. They said late July it's going to come out. So yeah. 
If he's not, if he's you're, not, talking, about, you're talking about the sexual uh, case up in Canada. Yeah, with yeah. Hockey Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hockey Canada, the Hockey Canada investigation, mm-hmm. uh, rape investigation. If he's not connected to that at all, I think he gets traded before the start of the season. Okay. But if he, uh, if he is, it's, obviously that changes yeah. everything. All right. So uh, as we leave, just one last thing, because you also host the is the Up Phillies podcast, right? Crossed Up. Crossed Up is okay. the Phillies Excuse podcast. Excuse me. Crossed yeah. Up Phillies podcast. Uh, As a matter of fact, we did. We were just so you know, we we're down at the ballpark already. We had a half hour with Garrett Stubbs today. I want to talk about a great interview. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to release this one. This was awesome. Good. Was awesome. I look forward awesome. to, to hearing that. Who's playing yeah. left field a month from today for the Phillies? <laughs> It shouldn't be Kyle Schwarber, I'll tell you that. No. Uh, man, it, so they, they really have to figure something out there. It's really going to be dependent upon if Bryce Harper can adequately play first base. If he can get, if he's passable at first base, which we'll, I think we're going to see him play there right after the All-Star break for you know a couple weeks or leading into the trade deadline, um, then I think that they're going to go out and trade for a guy who can play mostly every day in left field. I think that will be the, their number one target for okay, interesting uh, for the tar- trade deadline. Okay, would love to see Schwarber not in left field. Anthony Sanfilippo, it is always a pleasure. As we said, the Snow the Goalie podcast and the Crossed Up Phillies podcast, and covers you can read them on Crossing Broad. Follow them on Twitter at Ant San Philly when Twitter's back up. So it's it's still down, down. Right? Yeah. down for everybody today? Not refreshing okay. for me. Okay. Not I don't know how me. I'm going to go on. I need uh, my tweets. A pleasure, <laughs> Anthony. And you and I, uh, we got to get together next week for some other stuff. Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. Just right. uh, reach out. We'll talk. All right, cool. See you then. Right. Thanks, there Anthony. Go. There you go. Uh, he leads the league in podcasts. <laughs> He's a busy guy, man. He is a very busy guy. I admire him for all that. You know how he started, of course. Delaware County Daily Times? Producer for Glenn and Jody. Oh. Come on now. Right, 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 Come right. on now. Sorry. Let's get with it. It's, it's a rocket to, to, that is. to start them. Uh, uh, Dan Wilson, <laughs> your ship's coming in, pal. Uh, let's get Bill in Mercerville. What's happening, Bill? Good morning, Philadelphia and Glenn and Mike. Great morning. Great to talk to you guys. Thank Hi, you. Bill. Uh, uh, let me give you my resume. Lifelong Flyers fan. Been a season ticket holder since they moved across the parking lot to the Wells Fargo. I've seen the highs, the lows. The lows being uh, Lindros Lion at center ice in oh, Game Seven. Man. I, yep. Oh man, remember that? I was at that one. Man, that was tough. L- worse than that was the Ranger games and the last game with the Bruins. Shit, and we want the cup in our building. I think that Ranger game led to so much change. I think so too. That was it. That was the cutting point. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, it was the symbol of everything that had gone wrong. Yep. Yeah. So that said, I love where we're at today. I have patience. I mean, being going on 57, not seeing a cup since I was nine, I have patience. It's all I got. Uh, I believe in this leadership group. I, I've been to the town hall a couple weeks ago. They called it a happy hour. Right. Listening to Briere, listening to Jonesy. I think they get it. There's no reason a TV guy can't become an excellent executive. It's been shown. John Davidson is a proof positive that guys can do it. And hey, what's, what's his name with the the, the Dodgers? Uh, was uh, was a media guy. Man, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Nick Ed, Collette, good Fred Claire. Fred Claire. Yeah. We're yeah. talking Nicoletti. <laughs> Nicoletti. Yeah. yeah. So I, I get where they're at. It's Ernie not, Corsi. Yeah. Yep. Go ahead, Bill. It's, it's not your flyer. It's not your dad's flyers with. The old time, you know, Clark sitting there with 
uh, Darian Hatcher and these goons, we're back, we're tough. I think for your guess, he's, he's a smart guy. He's well-spoken when he talks. I think he gets I think Jonesy gets They know our pain. I mean, this is painful. I like it. Bill, I got to um, run because we're late for a break, but I appreciate your point on that. And we'll see if that's how Flyer fans feel. I think it's how they feel today. Yeah. We'll see how they feel in a little bit. 215-592-9494 coming up is uh, what we're watching. And I'm telling you, I know we've, we've You have been promoted. touting this show, man. I, well, I'll tell you my 10 favorite shows so far of the year. I'll mm-hmm. do that quickly, but this is currently in the one post. Wow. So there you go. This better be a combination of The Godfather and Lonesome Dove. Mike Sielski, Glenn Mack, now on 94 WIP. And it is time for me to tell you, is it really? Okay, there you go. Uh, to bring on the summer heat with huge savings when you replace your old inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Right now, Guida is offering the best discounts of the year with their big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. If you have drafty windows you've been meaning to replace, well, you receive 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient, triple-pane windows. In need of new doors, Guida's got you covered. 40% off all high-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, and storm doors. Plus, you start your project with no money out of pocket, paid off interest-free for up to 12 full months. And don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go guide it right now so you can take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st, so call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A. Are you not entertained? It's time for What We're Watching. That's what I do. I drink and I know things. The best in current movies and TV. Boy, that escalated quickly. I am a golden god! With Glenn and Mike Silski. Hey, Mike, come here. Let me look at you. Michael! Hey, Mikey! Pretty, pretty, all right. Well, we're watching a sponsor by Guided Door and Window. Take advantage of Guided Door and Window's big summer sales event. Receive 40% off all windows and bo- doors. Call 1-877-GO-GUIDA or visit them at go-g-u-i-d-a.com. So this is cool because you and I are watching the same show. Yes. But it's on season two, and you just kind of jumped on now this past week mm-hmm. after you and I had discussed it. I just last night after the Phillies game binged the end of season two. The show is The Bear. It's on Hulu. Um, it stars Jeremy Allen White, who a lot of people recognize from Shameless. Yep. Uh, he was Lip in mm-hmm. Shameless. I thought the best character there. He plays a world-class chef who has to come home from New York back to Chicago to run the, the family sandwich shop after his brother, who had been in charge, uh, dies tragically. Um, by the way, the sandwich, it's its like uh, like a hoagie place yeah. or, you know, whatever. Just, Italian beef sandwiches. Yeah, um, their version of cheesesteaks in a sense. So season one was kind of like a war story taking place in a kitchen. Lots of screaming, clanging, metal, confusion, um, chaos. And you, you're on season one. I'm glad you're watching, so I kind of want your take on what you've seen. So I'm three episodes in. Oh, so you're really brand new. I'm really okay. brand new, and I've watched each episode on my couch with like my shoulders tensing up <laughs> because the action in the kitchen is so fierce that as you watch it, you wait for one of the cooks to cut her finger or 
a fire to start yeah. or a dish to be ruined or something like that. And there's just that energy the entire time that makes it very tense but thrilling at the same time. Yeah. So there's that. Then you have the Jeremy Allen White character that you mentioned who I'm really intrigued by. I want to know why he came back to Chicago to save this restaurant and save his family. Like, what's going on here? Uh, it's got its hooks in me already three episodes in. Good. And I'm, I'm really glad you're watching. And I, and I just hope people who've, ne- who've never watched join in. Um, and I know it's on FX Hulu, which is another streamer to subscribe yeah. to. And it's another 10 bucks a month. Um, but here's my advice. Um, subscribe to Hulu. Binge this and, and move on. Mm-hmm. You know, like you don't have to subscribe forever. Or at subscribe to Hulu. Watch this. Watch Reservation Dogs, which was great. Watch Only Murders in the Building. Watch Dope Sick. I'll tell you the good shows to watch. And then move on. Okay, that was season one. Season two, and I'm I'm stealing from a New York Times review here, said it's like watching a sports story, a sports movie. Because you still get the kitchen language. Like, yes, chef, corner, and and all that cool stuff in the kitchen, which is fun and exciting. But it's a story about an underdog team trying to rebuild something, which mm. sounds like every sports movie you ever watched. Yeah. And the characters are trying to turn this roast beef sandwich shop uh, into a top-flight, world-class restaurant. So season two, they, they really strip down a lot of those shouting matches, mostly, and they focus on each character, each team member, mm-hmm. and it really is like a team— They've got training montages that they'll show you. And wow. Oh, yeah. Self-doubt and setbacks and all the things you see in a good sports movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are aiming for a championship. Um, watch it because it's terrifically written and directed and acted. You mentioned Jeremy Allen White. It's got a really good supporting cast of actors, actors you probably never heard of. But this season, too, they have cameos and small roles by some of the biggest stars mm. in Hollywood, like Oscar winners and wow. Emmy winners and huge stars who don't play themselves sitting in a restaurant, but play integral characters. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what's he doing on this show? That tells you how much buzz and prestige the bear is picking I up. I think that's right. Like, oh, I want to act on You know, give me that role. Right. Yes. Um I will tell you that season two, episode six, mm-hmm. which is a flashback episode to a Christmas dinner five years ago, Christmas dinner from hell, is one of the single best television episodes of the past decade. Wow. Get to season two. It's called The Fishes. It's the Feast of Seven Fishes mm-hmm. dinner. And it is one of the greatest episodes there is. Um, by the way, also season two, you can tell how well the show's doing because they invested a lot of money in the soundtrack, a lot of dad rock, a lot of 80s, 90s, all right. R.E.M., if you like R.E.M., all over the well, place. I, one of the episodes I just saw had a lengthy scene with a, with a Van Morrison yes. track over, and yeah. not Brown Eyed Girl, like a really, yes. not obscure, but a deep cut from Van Morrison where you're like, oh. Actually, they, I think Into the Mystic is somewhere in season two also okay. with Van Morrison. So, yeah, they pay for the soundtrack, and I, I like all that. Um, and I will tell you this, as tense as season one is, and you you portrayed it, I thought, really accurately, season two has a lot of feel-good moments. Ah. And it is, maybe overstating this, it has kind of taken up Ted Lasso's mantle ah. as the feel-good dramedy. Mm-hmm. That's a word? That's a word, right? Yeah. About a work family. 
right? Mm-hmm. They all work together and swear together yeah. and, you know, do all this together and discuss each other's lives. And it's, it's Ted Lasso's gone. It's a different show, mm-hmm. but it kind of fills that role. Well, that, it's interesting because, again, you're, you're drawing a cooking and chefs as sports and athletes yeah. analogy, yes, right? Yes, And, I mean, think about that. Like, take a step backward, Glenn. How big chefs have become publicly in the last 10 to 20 years? Stars. Stars, in the same way that athletes are. Yeah. Who's your favorite chef yeah. when you watch the yeah, Cooking Channel clubs. or yeah. the Food Network or whoever? Oh, I'm, you know, Guy Fieri. I watch everything he does. Or I got this chef's cookbook, and I love her stuff. And it's very similar to sports. Yeah. And it works. And this show is great. The Bear is a great show. I really hope people watch it. Again, it's on FX Hulu, which means you may have to pay something for it. But do it. Binge it. You're done. You get out in a month or two. You'll thank me and Mike, and you'll really like it. Well, I'm excited to see the rest of it now. Uh, Being only three episodes in, I want to sit down and and get through it if it's that good. Somebody asked me to review my favorite shows of the year. I'm going to give you mine. If you have any you want to add to it, please do. I know that you and I didn't discuss this before, but here you go. These are my favorite shows so far. First half. 2023 is officially half over. I know. So here you go. The days are getting shorter. It stinks. I know. Here you go. Um, the Bear is number one for me. Wow. Succession. Okay. Final season. The Diplomat on Netflix. Loved it. The Last of Us on HBO. I remember you saying that there was that one episode of The Last of Us that oh. you thought was one of the best episodes yeah. you'd ever seen. Yes. Uh, Poker Face on Peacock. A uh, little up and down, but the good ones are really good. Okay. Uh, shrinking on Apple, which you recommended loved, to me. Love Shrinking. Loved it. I want. I had soured on the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. This last season, where they wrap it up, was really good. It, it it came back. My wife will be pleased to hear that. Yes. She loved that show and wasn't sure about going back. To and it. and I did it just because my wife wanted to, and it and it was really good. So I I recommend that. Uh, Abbott Elementary, I always love. The Night Agent on Netflix is very very good. History of the World Part Two on Hulu. Mel Brooks. Kind of comes right. back with it. It's up and down and stupid, but he just good. turned ninety-seven. God bless him, man. He's the best. Oh. He is the best. Somebody posted uh, Young Frankenstein in three minutes the other day. Oh man, it was tremendous. Oh, damn your eyes! And the last one that I really liked, but I think you got to be you got to be my age, or you won't get it. Is White House Plumbers. Mm-hmm. Because if you're 40 and you look at it, it's like, what the hell were these guys doing? And the point is, that's actually based on real stuff. Yeah. Well, so. the the only addition I would make, and this isn't really a show, uh, it was uh, a television event that Rob Ellis and I talked about a couple of weeks ago, and I would recommend it to you, because uh, it would be right up your alley, uh, is the documentary on Apple TV, still, uh, about Michael mm-hmm. J. Fox. Oh, no, no. Yeah, good. And you should watch it. It's about an hour and a half. As I said, Rob and I discussed it a couple of weeks ago. And what makes it great is it's a biographical documentary about Fox and his struggles with Parkinson's disease. And they use clips of his TV shows and his movies as if they were documentary film clips. So you'll get a scene of Alex Keaton on Family Ties to be emblematic of what Michael J. Fox was experiencing when he was a teenager, coming up through acting. Interesting. It's incredibly well edited. It's incredibly well presented. Uh, Can't recommend it highly enough. So Called Still, and where is it? It's on Apple TV. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, and if you're a child of the 80s and 90s like I am, Michael J. Fox was the alpha and the omega of pop culture. Yeah, he was always... He was so big, and uh, it was great to see. All right, one other TV thing that I want to discuss, and this is not good news, which is that uh, ESPN, uh, owned by Disney, let go of a ton of people yesterday, including some 
tremendously talented people. Top of the list for me is Susie Colbert after 27 years. Uh, local gal. Uh, went, went to my high school. Went to your high school. Upper Dublin. There you go. The second most famous alumni after you at the high school. I think he got that in verse. Okay. Um, anyway, um, and has done a tremendous job for them for so, so long, got let go. And that's a crime and a shame. Yeah, it is. And she wasn't the only one. Jeff Van Gundy. Their top NBA analyst. Who, by the way, Van Gundy and Breen, I love those guys calling a game. Really, really good. Uh, mm-hmm. Max Kellerman, who's bounced from yeah. show to show. I was not a big fan, but I'm not happy to see him lose Just his job. Just fixtures. He was good on boxing. He was. And, he was and terrific then, on boxing. And they, and they See, so here's my problem with it. The show's now, Susie Culber is a really good reporter, interviewer, solid, smart, can present, mm-hmm. do the formatics, okay? What she's not there to do is be in a contrived argument. Right. Which is what they put Max Kellerman into, which is what they do now. And, you know, I have nothing against Stephen A. Smith. He's a very talented guy. But that becomes everything they have to do now. And they just added who? At $80 million? Pat McAfee. Uh, McAfee. And what's that going to be about? It's going to be about contrived arguments. And I don't think it's going to work. And here's why. We were talking about this before the show. Part of the reason for McAfee's popularity, and if you're not familiar, he basically does a talk show by himself. He had been doing it on YouTube for years and years, and he's a former NFL punter, and he gets former NFL players to come on, uh, primary among them Aaron Rodgers. Oh, current NFL players. Yeah, right. current ones too, excuse me. Um, and Aaron Rodgers, he's become like the Aaron Rodgers whisperer, basically, that Rodgers felt more comfortable opening up about all the stuff that Aaron Rodgers <laughs> opens up about anymore. But I don't think it's going to work as well on ESPN because ESPN is the establishment. It mm. is the big sports network where you go for everything. And it's trying to be counterculture by hiring Pat McAfee. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? I think the people who wanted to listen to Pat McAfee aren't, are going to look at it and say, well, now you're part of the machine. You're part of the, the structure of everything that I'm, I don't want. You know, you're mainstream now, and I don't want mainstream. I want off the beaten path. And so I wonder if that's going to work. Uh, I also wonder, though, too, Glenn, you know, you make the point about the contrived debate. They're doing that for a reason. Because people like it. People pay attention to it. I guess. I wish I mean, they I, didn't. I, you know, I, I far be it for me to tell them how to run their business. Yeah. I wish they didn't. I wish things were different. But, I mean, that show, first take that ESPN does, started out as a segment on a different show called Cold Pizza. Yeah. And it was a morning show, like Good Morning America for Sports kind of a thing. And they started looking at the numbers and the time when people tuned in was when Skip Bayless and Woody Page and Stephen A. Smith started screaming at each other. So maybe we're so, to blame. But well, maybe. Uh, and listen, we've we've done our share of that on WIP over the years. But there needs to be room at a network like that for somebody like Susie Culber, who is a terrific reporter, interviewer. Uh, you know, again, she did that. Knows the, the league, right? Inside she did and the, out. She did the show with Jaws, where yep. they, you know, I mean, they discussed football and the game and how it worked, and she knew the game, knows the game, and it's terrible. And Van Gundy, uh, Van Gundy's there because he's smart and right. can analyze an NBA game. And those are the people. Steve Young, by the way, another one that got yeah. washed out. I thought it was pretty good. Very, very disturbed to see that. All right, two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. We'll come back. We'll talk to the doctor. Get your calls in. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack, now on ninety four WIP. Well, that is obviously not from this year. That is from last year because, as we know, Derek Hall has been out all of this year with an injury. Mike, can you 
Can somebody punch him up? My screener got really weird. Somebody punch yep. up Dr. Gelt, please. There yeah, he is. Sure. He, he is with us. So, Doc, Derek Hall jammed his right thumb uh, in early April during spring training, diving into, sliding into second base, and underwent, I'm going to try to read this correctly, augmentation surgery to reattach a torn ulnar collateral ligament in his thumb. Uh, he has been, well, he's been rehabbing. He's been playing. <clears throat> played 20 minor league games. He's hitting well. What is involved in getting back to, after you have that surgery, kind of getting back to perfect on that? Yeah, so the, the owner kind of ligament is the ligament on the inside part of the, of the thumb, and sometimes people call it skier's thumb or gamekeeper's thumb. It's as if you foul and basically stretch the thumb all the way out, so you stretch out the inside part, and you can tear that little ligament. It's more like the stabilizing ligament of the, of the thumb, like the UCL of the elbow. Mm-hmm. Um, and what has to do is it has to be reconstructed, but it's got to put back together just because it gets torn. Obviously, you have to make sure that that heals. Um, it's not as long as a rehab as far as a UCL, but once it heals, then you start doing some grip strengthening, range of motion, and start, start getting back into baseball activities. So what's the biggest impediment, doctor? Is it going to hurt his swing? Uh, does it hurt his grip uh, when he's holding a ball or trying to squeeze a glove? What's, what's to be overcome here? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is I think it's his dominant hand, if I recall. But so gripping uh, a bat, obviously, you know, gripping a ball, uh, you know, you're going to have weakness in the thumb. You're going to have some stiffness in the thumb just for a range of motion. So once you get your feel back, you know, and you're able to grip a ball or grip a bat, then you can start doing, you know, going back on the swing. And then, it's, you know, you start at step zero where you're almost spring training, you know, with, when he starts after his, thir- his surgery. So it takes a while to get back into the swing of things, uh, no pun intended. And then you keep moving forward. Doc, do you have any medical opinion on how Kyle Schwarber's been playing left field? <laughs> well, it's, it's because it's making funny. me sick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did you see the other day when he uh, he was going? It was a foul ball, I think, or it just got into fair territory and he he tripped and then he fell on his face. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, he's just having a you know a tough stint. I think you know hopefully the trade deadline they'll be hopefully picking somebody up for left field, and then if Bryce Harper gets into first base, then he can go into DH, I hope. That's, well, we that's got to that. be the hope, Dr. Gell. I mean, look, it's not like Schorber isn't trying out there. He's just not equipped to be a major league outfielder. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he, a question for you guys. I don't know because uh, we don't get to see him that much, but Sherry Tiny just had a, his 30th home run. Yes. Do you think, do you think I mean, being that he's, a, he's an all-star pitcher and a – and a home run hitter. I mean, I don't know anybody else. So he's got to be the top, you know, top five players of all time if with this type of. You know, it's interesting you bring that up, Doctor Glenn. And I had kicked around the possibility of bringing up Otani uh, at some point in the show today. He just finished what might have been the best month of baseball that anybody's ever played. Just from a hitting standpoint, he hit something like 16 home runs. His OPS was practically infinity. Uh, hmm. It's just insane what he's doing at the plate. And then you add in the fact that right. he is 7-3 and three with a 3.02 ERA and leads the major leagues in strikeouts per nine innings pitched as a pitcher. He might already be, as you said, one of the five best players of all time. It's crazy. Plus, they have an all-star with Mike Trout, and I still know how they don't get into the uh, playoffs. And, and a budding all-star in, in Glenn's favorite player, Mickey Moniak. It, it is amazing how well Moniak. Um, every day I look, he's leading off, going three for five with a home run. It's, it, am, it's, it is, it's an amazing thing. 
Doc, it is always a pleasure to talk to you, man. You're you're the best. Have a have a great day. All right. Happy Fourth of July, guys. You right. too, Doctor. You, you as well. There you go. Oh, you know what I didn't ask him? We've not that I needed to. We've discussed this in the past. If you are, and he's an orthopedic guy, so I'm sure it enters into this. So my son is a, is an ER mm-hmm. doc, right? Right. He hates July Fourth weekend. Oh gosh, it's just people doing dumb things with fireworks. Yeah, people blowing off their hands and stuff. Yeah. And it's like emergency rooms just fill up with, as you say. Like, I wonder what would happen if I oh, if I hold this M80. Is right. it going to be problematic? Yeah. What if I set myself on fire? Right. So folks, enjoy the Fourth. If you're doing fireworks. I get it. I've been there. I love fireworks. I'm a fireworks guy. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm like, go to Narberth and watch the right, fireworks guy. Right. But I know people like to do them in the backyard, but please don't blow your hand off. My son, I think he's got the weekend off. Let him have let it. Him, let him enjoy the weekend. Yeah. Be kind to your doctors. So, yeah, you wanted to discuss uh, Otani a little bit. And so let's do it. You know the thing I was thinking about? Before Otani, there had not been somebody who was a pitcher and position player or DH. Since I well, there was a couple. I think Michael Lorenzen like did it a yeah. little bit, but really not. Right. Does Otani open the door for more guys who can pitch and and hit? Here's an interesting thing about that, Glenn. I was listening to Jeff Passan from ESPN, one of the select few people at ESPN who did not lose his job over the last couple of days. Good for him. And he was talking on a podcast about whether the opposite thing might happen, where. Because Otani is so great as a hitter and so great as a pitcher, that teams might have a guy who could kind of do both, but be like a pinch hitter off the bench mm-hmm. and a sixth inning reliever, uh, yeah. and be like, "Well, why would we want to do that? Just let him focus. He should focus on one thing." Yeah. Where a, a player like even like that, sure, you get value. Would be incredibly valuable. Yeah, two guys, you know, but two Jeff, role players. Jeff raised this question of like, will teams? almost take the wrong lesson from Otani, that he's a unicorn, and unless you have a guy who does it exactly the way he does it, and there aren't any guys like that out there, why would you try it? It is a shame. I mean, you would think he's playing in the second largest market in the country, but he's playing in the team that nobody cares about out there. He's he's playing in the ballpark that might be, with Tampa Bay, like the worst baseball environment in the sport. It's really not good. Yeah, and so we never really get to see him. No, right? If he was an East Coast guy, and I know, it's this is the this is the, the whatever. If the, he were a Dodger, yeah. If he was a Dodger, if he was a Dodger, him. yeah. People would be over the moon about yeah. him. It's it's really remarkable. He's hit thirty home runs this season. He leads the he leads the majors in triples, and he's seven and three and wow. striking out twelve batters every nine innings. Yeah, that's really great. It's it's incredible. Let's talk to Connor in Lancaster. Connor, we hear it's a big day in your family. Is that correct? Heck yeah, baby. We're heading down, uh, picking our son to his first Oh, that's great. That's great. How old is your son? He's nine months old. But I, fellas, I thought I hit the We're all that love sports. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. And, try again, Connor. Hey, I thought I I hit the jackpot marrying a girl that loves sports, but she's uh, from New England, and she's all Boston. And, man, what a great time to have a nine-month-old when you got the Patriots playing as bad as they are. <laughs> Phillies are finally got some excitement right now, and I think I might actually win this deal, and we might have a kid that likes Philly sports. <laughs> I, I think that's true. You live in Lancaster? Is that where you're from? Yeah, we're heading down right now. We're going to yeah. stop at uh, Reading Terminal Market on our way through, and 
We're just doing the stroller and standing room only and going to have a day. Uh, it's a great Sounds one. Sounds like a great plan, It's a great Connor. ballpark. Your son is going to just love it. It's it's absolutely – it's it's a great place to watch a game. It's a gorgeous day. Uh, I don't know what the air quality is out there. Well, today. yeah, what is, yeah. What but he's it? starting him early. Connor said his son's only nine months old, so he's hoping to like – Did you say he's nine months or nine years? Oh, he's nine months? Nine months. Oh, nine months. Yeah. So okay. starting him early. Starting right. him early. Oh, and well, keep, him, oh, keep him away from Boston and the Red Sox in particular. You know, I mean – Look, I I think I think Boston's an incredible sports town. Their their franchises are full of history. Uh, you could write, and books have been written about the Celtics and the Red Sox and the Bruins and you know all those teams up there. But so, their sa- their fans have become so insufferable with the success that those franchises have had that it's I believe they call off-putting. them mass holes. Yes. Uh, so here's the deal. As you know, my son, who I referenced earlier, he lives outside of Boston. Mm-hmm. He married a girl from Boston. Works at the University of Massachusetts Medical Center. He's the, he's, that's where he's staying. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, he remains a huge Eagles fan. The Eagles were always his team, right? So he's a huge Eagles fan. Uh, when he had my first grandson, his wife's father and I had a conversation. <laughs> Fred, <laughs> it's like Fred, what are we going to do here? <laughs> So, so we 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 came we made an agreement. Okay. okay? Now understand, my grandson is now ten. Mm-hmm. So this was you have to go back to 2013. Okay? Wow. Okay. And we and we divided it up. I got, and this is in terms of my grandson's loyalty, mm-hmm. the Eagles. Okay. And I got the Flyers, for which has not worked out that well. No. Fred got the Celtics, and that's again we were in early mm-hmm. process. The, nothing was happening. Right. And he got the Red Sox because there's no way living up there you he, can't not be a Red Sox. Right. Fan. I mean that that the Red Sox are up there with the Eagles are here. Everybody is. Mm-hmm. Everybody cares about it. You talk about it every day. It's a big deal. I wasn't going to win that one. And my son's wife is a huge Red Sox fan. She doesn't care about the other sports. She's a big Red Sox fan. They go to Fenway. I wasn't going to win that. Mm-hmm. But I got the Eagles. So the boy wears Eagles jerseys to school on Patriots Pride Day. And I'm proud of that. You should be. So my wife, as you know, Kate, is a Boston University uh, yeah. alumnus. Yeah, like me. And we fortunately have not encountered a similar situation. Is she from here? Where is she from originally? She grew up in Jersey okay. and lived in Switzerland for nine years. Oh, that's right. So, yeah. So her dad was had a job. It opens over up her loyalties it to does, whatever. It does. The and Zurich fighting whatever. Sweat socks. Yeah. <laughs> the, is, the, the Zurich fighting neutrals or yeah. something. I don't know. Um, but. We don't have that problem in our house because she does not know or care anything about sports. Right. Uh, and my older son, who's the big sports fan, has decided that he doesn't root for Philadelphia teams. He roots for the Atlanta Falcons. And yeah, you Miami said he likes Heat. colors, right? He yeah. Roots for the colors. He was, he was a, as a kid, fixated on red and black. So that led to him mm-hmm. rooting for the Falcons and the Miami Heat and the Calgary Flames. And um, he follows them with all his heart. Good he luck just, with those. Yeah, it's just not the Eagles and the Flyers and the Sixers. Anyway, I uh, make sure that my grandsons always have a Our full complement yeah. of Eagles and Flyer stuff, but I'm not allowed to go the other direction. So. Uh. Although I cheat sometimes. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Fred deals with that. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack. Now coming up, talk to Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer about a little Phillies going on. Take your calls. A ninety four WIP. Oh, that was a great time. Yeah. 
The you want those fireworks right then? That was Bryce when start, I think they got down. they got uh, two guys on to start the inning and then can't do anything with it and just frustrating uh, as they lose last night two to one to Washington. I mean, the sky is not. Well, I guess the sky is falling literally in that moment. Well, but yeah, the, with the fireworks. But um, anyway, that's been a recurring problem. Scott Lauber of the Philadelphia Inquirer joins us now. How are you, Scott? Doing well. How are you guys? I'm. We're All doing great, well. and want to thank you very much because we love a guest who does our work for us. And you <laughs> wrote a column this week, which was five questions for the Phillies as they head to midseason in the All Star break. So thank you. So let's start with that, Scott Lauber. Number one, can the Phillies read Bryce Harper? Find the power outlet. Uh, they they are not hitting home runs, particularly Harper, who has now gone what twenty nine games. Yeah, I think I think it's twenty nine, and like a hundred and thirty plate appearances, something like that. Not that anyone's counting. Oh, so what do we, what do we <laughs> but, make of all that? Yeah, I mean, look, that to me has been the most surprising thing about this little uh, turnaround that they've had. They they went, I think, eighteen and eight in June. And uh, we should be feeling good about that, right? We should be feeling like they've risen back to the level of contender and dug themselves out of the hole that they were in. I think on June 2nd, they were seven games under, and uh, it was looking pretty bleak. And, you know, the, the parallels to last year uh, are, are pretty incredible, really. Um, but, you know, you don't, I don't think it was just last night that leaves you with feeling a little empty about June, even though you should feel good about it. It's just that it's the way that they've won, like, it's a good thing that they've sort of steadied their pitching and their rotation's been really on a roll and, um, you, you know, that, that aspect of it. But this team was built to hit. It was built to slug, and they haven't. You know, I think they're ranked like 20th in, in baseball and runs scored and, and home runs, and that's uncharacteristic of them. We know there aren't 20 good teams in baseball, and so to be ranked 20th is pretty bad. Uh, you see a night like last night where uh, they get shut down by the Nationals you know, and mm-hmm. it's sort of like you get to the point where it's almost July 4th and you're waiting for the offense to click. And, you know, look, Bryce Harper's going to start hitting home runs. He has to. He's too good not to. But, um, you know, who's who else is going to hit? You know, Schwarber's got 20. Harper is not might not get there this year at the rate he's going. Who's going to get to 20 home runs? You know, who's going to get to 25? Um, it's It's been a difficult run for them offensively. And, and that's unusual, and, and that leaves you with a little bit of an unsettled feeling for as good as June was. So you mentioned it, Scott. The reason that they've been able to kind of withstand the fact that they haven't been hitting is their pitching. And so of your five questions about the Phillies at the midpoint of their season, let's take the next two that you asked kind of as one. A, can the rotation keep up? And B, where do we things stand with Andrew Painter? And those two things are linked, right? I mean, if Painter yeah. somehow comes back and contribute to the rotation, I would still guess that's a long shot, but that would certainly be a help. Where do you think this rotation will out? Can you ex- can we expect Ranger Suarez and Taiwan Walker to keep pitching this way? And is there a chance that Painter uh, will come in as that number five starter? I don't think you can expect you know a sub one ERA from Walker yeah. and Suarez the rest. Why of Why not so, seventy two million dollars, Scott? Come on. I'm going to say some regression to the mean there, but th- that said, I think you can expect quality from the two of them, and you should expect quality from the two of them, just as you should expect it from Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, which gives them a top four that's pretty good. My concern with the pitching 
stems from what happens if one of those four goes down. Now, you remember last year, Zach Wheeler missed a month with a minor injury, uh, and one that he might have pitched through or not missed as much time with had they not had the depth they had in their rotation. They had Kyle Gibson, who, look, you can say whatever you want about the September he had. It was terrible. But up until then, he was pretty much a league average, middle of the rotation, back of the rotation pitcher. He's not here anymore. They picked up Noah Syndergaard at the trade deadline. Again, not an ace, not a top-of-the-rotation guy, but a guy you could trust in the middle or the back of your rotation. He's not here anymore. Zach Eflin was hurt at the time, was working his way back. Kind of the X factor, the way Andrew Painter is an X factor, um, in terms of like not knowing what his status was, but you know it, it was he was out there. So I mean, they had more depth than they do now. And what if one of those big four goes down? So I've been thinking a lot about the trade deadline last year because again, I think it's analogous to where they stand this year. And the, there's a third wild card again, and very much the same position they were in last year. They were looking for starting pitching. They didn't get Syndergaard until 15 minutes before the deadline. They weren't sure that anything for a starter was going to come together. So they went and got a center fielder, and they went and they got another reliever in David Robertson. I kind of think they're going to target some, you know, they're going to target offense. They need another hitter, obviously. They need a right-handed hitter, preferably. If Harper moves to first, that opens up the outfield for, for them to get somebody like that. But I also think that they're going to look to deepen their rotation with kind of someone who fits in the back someone who fits in the middle, someone who gives them a little bit of depth. And if they don't get that, or if it's hard to get that, maybe they pivot to the bullpen again. So kind of a long way of answering your question. I, I like their front four, but I worry about their depth, and I worry about what happens if one of those guys goes down, as inevitably it seems somebody always does. You mentioned the bats, uh, and and uh, the name Schwarber, I believe, has come up in this conversation, and I'm kind of fixated on it today because I'm watching you know, the games this week where he's just – he's just like playing with a pitchfork as a glove this week. Um, It's just been awful. And I saw in in your story, you quote Dave Dombrowski saying, it would be nice to get Schwarbs off his feet a little bit. And I think we all agree. What's the pathway to doing that? The pathway to doing that is to get Bryce Harper playing a position on the field. And it looks like it's going to be first base. And it looks like it's going to be shortly after the All-Star break. Um, Harper is Harper crossed kind of a uh, notable but sort of understated milestone this week. He went from, you know, doing these drills at first base, these workouts at first base that he's been doing kind of by himself individually with a coach and a trainer to taking full infield practice with everybody else and looking pretty good. I got to tell you in, in Chicago, I didn't see him do it yesterday, but uh, I understand it looked good yesterday as well. So, He's getting closer to that. He does not have to go out to L.A. to go see the doctor again for another clear to, to throw in, in, in a, you know, a game speed. So that's good. Uh, so it's coming, and it's coming quickly, and they're going to get a look at it, it sounds like, before the trade deadline to see what it looks like in games and whether he can do it. I'd, I'd bet that he can do it. I mean, he's played the infield before. He grew up playing a lot of third base. Um, you know, so I, I think there'll be some mistakes and there'll be a bit of a learning curve, but I think he's going to be able to do it, and that would enable them to free up the DH spot, get Schwarber out to DH, which is what he needs to do right now because, as you said, his defense has been – I thought he was turning a corner maybe. He made a few nice plays uh, on like two or three consecutive days on the last homestand and then this week, and it hasn't been Oof. good. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, if they can get him to DH, that frees up a spot in the outfield, and then you can go – 
find – I keep coming back to one name, and it's, there are others, but Adam Duvall uh, with the mm. Red Sox is a right-handed hitter with power who can play the outfield and play it pretty well and would slot in very nicely in the sixth, fifth or sixth spot in your batting order. So a guy like that – now, of course, the Red Sox have to fall out of it. I think they're already out of it. They don't seem to think that they are. But It's tough for them to be sellers up yeah, there. Yeah, it is. It is. It is, but he's also on an expiring contract, right? So those are the kinds of moves you can make and not look like you're selling. You're just sort of cashing them in. So, um, yeah, you know, I think a guy like that, there are others. Uh, Randall Grichuk in, in Colorado, uh, right-handed hitter with some power, can play the outfield, fits in, in the middle of your order. You know, not, not the middle-middle, but like the middle-bottom of your order. Mm-hmm. So, you know, makes your order deeper. Those are the kind of moves I could I could see, and, and I don't know that it necessarily is going to cost you a ton because they're both on expiring deals. So, that, to me, is how you do it. That's how you get Schwarber out of the outfield. It's how you add a right-handed hitter and maybe uh, and maybe a little pop to a lineup that could use it. We're talking to Scott Lauber, my colleague at the Inquirer, has covered the Phillies for a long, long while. Scott, is this the Trey Turner we're going to see all year, or is there still a possibility that he's going to unlock all the talent and all the production that persuaded the Phillies to sign him to a $300 million contract? Yeah, for their sake, I, I hope it's not <laughs> the guy we see all year. I, I've i never gotten the impression from him that he is awed by Philadelphia or uncomfortable here or that this is, as I've sort of said before, I don't get the sense that this is Nick Castellanos 2.0 um, in year one. Uh, I really don't. I, I think he's comfortable here. He has relationships with people uh, from here previously. Um he seems to handle pressure pretty well. He's played in big markets. I just don't think he's had a good season, and I guess it happens. It happens even for, for great players. I would expect the second half will be better, and he's another one. Every single time you think, okay, that's going to be the turning point, whether it's you know the home run against, uh, against Arizona that tied the game in that walk-off win or you know four hits in Arizona a few weeks later or the double steal last week, which led right. to a run. Uh, in the Mets game, you know, you're like, okay, that's it. Like, that, he's going to click now, and off he goes. You know, it doesn't it doesn't click. So I would hope the second half would be better. Again, the track record would tell you that it would be. And, you know, with a player like that, I'm always hesitant to say, well, this is just the down year. But, you know, he's going to have to be better because he's a big part of all of this and a big reason why their offense is underperformed. Uh, last one for me, and it relates to the guy who we thought was going to be the ace, or at least the co-ace this year, which is Aaron Nola, who really hasn't found it yet. And Mike and I discussed this earlier. I mean, I'm just, and I know you, you talked to him, kind of thinking he has not yet figured out how to adapt to the pitch clock. Is it that, or is there something else that you think is causing him to have this year? It's, it's, it was, I think, at the beginning. Um, I think at this point it's probably um, it's probably a factor, but it doesn't seem like it should be you know the the end all be all factor. I mean, they're they're more than you know they're halfway through. Uh, yesterday was the halfway mark. He's made 17 starts or something like that plus spring training. I mean, there's it's one thing to not feel comfortable with it. It's another thing to just sort of like make the best of it and figure it out by now. There's been a lot of time for that. So. I don't know. I, you know, he says it's not the contract. I've asked him about that. You know, um, he says that's not weighing on him. He's human, though, right? It's got to yeah. weigh on him a little. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know, and, and it would weigh on me, uh, much as I would like to think it wouldn't, it would. You know, so, I mean, maybe that's got something to do with it. Uh, it just, 
you know, it's weird. He's having such a strange year because on one hand, you know, he's, he had this streak that ended this week of consecutive starts of six plus innings. That's not nothing to stay in age in baseball. You know, nobody goes seven, eight innings anymore. And for him to go, you know, six or seven, every start for like two months straight, that's, that's what you want, but you also want more quality with your quantity. And, uh, there hasn't been as much quality there as we're used to seeing from him. So he's another one. Got to have a better second half than, than first, especially if they have a little bump in the road somewhere with health and their rotation at some point in the second half. You know, Nola's like clockwork. He starts every fifth day and uh, never gets hurt, never goes down. It's his biggest asset. The biggest reason why he'll get a, con- a big contract this offseason, whether it's here or somewhere else, is that he's as reliable as he is. And usually he does have, uh, he does have the quality to match, and it just hasn't been there on a consistent basis this year. Don't know what it is. I think the pitch clock had something to do with it. Uh, I think he's tried as much as he can. I mean, remember the Dodgers start where he was throwing the baseball out, trying to reset yeah. the clock, yeah, that didn't trying work to out. find as many ways around it as he can. And, you know, at this point, you just gotta you got to figure it out because you're halfway through the year and everyone else is figuring it out. So you gotta you got to do it. Amen to that. Scott Lauber, Phillies, 4 o'clock start today. Mackenzie Gore for Washington against Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. Feels like a win, Scott. Uh, uh, yeah, whenever they play the Nationals, it should feel like should. a win. The <laughs> yeah. Nationals are not good. Uh, you take two out of three. They yeah. looked awesome uh, last I, night. I won't be upset. Yeah. yeah. Uh, always a pleasure. Scott Lauber, be well. Have a great yeah, fourth. All Thanks, right. guys. You Thank too. you very Thanks, much. Thanks, Scotty. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's get Chris in Dover up next. Chris, what's on your mind today? Hey, good afternoon, guys. Hey. Hi, Chris. Hey, I, a couple things. First of all, Tani is must be Jamie's out in L.A. He's he's great. And and the thing is, Chris, that I, I think people out here don't notice about him. He's an amazing athlete. He's six foot four. He's, what, 225, 230. He's the fastest player on the Angels team. He's faster than Mike Trout. He said he leads the American League in triples. He leads the American League in triples. kind of cool. It's just a remarkable story that's playing out. I hope somebody does a movie or writes a book about him. Mike, Mm. I couldn't agree with you more. And what's crazy about it is him and Mike Trout, arguably Mike Trout before Otani was the best player in baseball, who also – was out in L.A., mm-hmm. local kid, and not everybody's able to appreciate and see these talents day in and day out. Yeah, And not only that, the team stinks, or at least it has up until this yeah. year. Yeah. They haven't been in the playoffs in nearly 10 years. Yeah, well, there's that there's that recurring Twitter thing of, you know, Mike Trout hit two home runs and Shohei Otani pitched, had 10 strikeouts as the Angels lost yesterday. Right, exactly, exactly. It's terrible, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. What do you got on the Sixers? Hey, real my real quick Philly point. I'll go to Sixers. I I want two bats. They don't have to be big bats. I think the depth it improves our defense. If Harper goes to first, Schwarber to DH. I want two. I like I like Duvall because he's got decent defense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and he's a right-handed bat. I don't like Grichuk personally. Well, du- Duvall is the guy that uh that Scott Lauber mentioned. You know that that he would be in favor of going after. So I think and I think your sense. point about a right-handed bat's a good one. So, all right, what do you got on the Sixers? Well, my phone dinged every two seconds last night, so I had to turn the volume down yes. on prop season. Yeah. And, and every update, obviously, was not exciting for our Sixers. <laughs> no, it's so funny. And we kind of got warned, like, don't expect a lot from the Sixers in free agency. Yeah. And it's like, okay, here's what happens. George Niang and Shake Milton leave. Well, the, the NBA offseason guys actually just got 
a little bit more interesting. All right. And Chris, thanks for your call. Thank yeah, you for let's the call. get into that because you uh you you got dinged just a moment just ago. Just a moment ago, the Athletic Shams reporting, quote, Portland Trailblazers guard Damian Lillard has requested a trade out of Portland. League sources told the Athletic on Saturday, the Miami Heat and Brooklyn Nets are among the leading suitors for the seven-time All-Star. Uh, both teams in the East, neither of whom is named the Sixers. Correct. Yeah, you ain't giving up James Harden in a package for Damian. No, 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 no. I mean, happening. there's no I, no, I don't think. Again, we talked about this at the top of the show. I don't see how Harden gets you anything of real value right now. And so what I imagine is going to happen is that Daryl Morey's just going to hold and hold and hold until he gets the best thing he can get. Yeah. He's got no reason to rush on it. No. Okay. No. No. It just it does is make there... you think. It does make you think how different might things have been if as all the indications suggest Morey was so focused on Harden that he didn't look at or consider as he should have other possible deals. You know, there's been there've been scuttlebutt about there about making a trade to get Buddy Heald and Tyrese Halliburton and maybe getting more pieces yeah. as opposed to the one superstar right. or guy you thought was going to be a superstar to play alongside and beat and max. And Lillard is that superstar? Is there a potential maxi deal for Lillard? Man, I don't know. Do you I don't I can't put it together cuz maxi yeah. for Lillard isn't does isn't going to work. No, I I'm not going to fire up the ESPN trade machine right here while we're on the air. Right, but you would need to find something else to give them, and yes. I, I have no idea what else you have to give them. No, I'm not they're sure. Not, they're not going to want the expiring contract. Uh, they're, they're not going to want anything that no. you have. No, they're really stuck, Glenn. They're really stuck for next season. So Lillard comes to the Heat. Ooh. Yeah. Jimmy Butler and or, Damian Lillard. Yes, the Heat are already pretty damn good. Yeah. All right, well, he maybe. would fit in that culture well. <laughs> he's a gamer. I mean, he's great, yeah, and, he's, he and he's tough, yeah. and... You know, he's everything you want in a in a superstar in this yeah, league. Yeah. Well, we we'll see. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. Uh got a lot of time for your calls right now. We had a lot of guests today. We had a lot of chit chat, but if you want to get in about anything that we've been discussing, we would love to hear from you. He is Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now on ninety four WIP. All right, so as we are doing the show right now, here on July the first. Stuff is happening, at least talk is happening around the NBA. And as you said, Dame Lillard officially requested a trade. And so that begins the rumor mills. And we're talking about, like, you know, how is – you said, what, Miami and Brooklyn? With Miami the- and Brooklyn. And apparently Adrian Wojnarowski has mentioned the Sixers as a possible destination. So we're, we were speculating, like, how the heck can you do that? You, you start with Tyrese Maxey. But then what, what else you got? Well, I think you start with – Maybe trading James Harden earlier than we thought mm. to try to get some kinds of assets so that you can add to a package that would include Maxie to send to Portland to get Dame Lillard. I think that's the route. Okay. What those what those pieces would be, who the heck knows? Um, right. Because that's two or three moves down the road. Okay. Right. What are you going to get for Harden, and then what would is what you're getting for Harden what Portland would want for Lillard? So then I guess the question for Sixers fans and for you is, would you on this day essentially trade James Harden and Tyrese Maxey for Damian Lillard because it's what you're getting in return for Harden plus Maxey, right? That's what you're giving. Yeah. Okay, so from our perspective, it's Maxey and Harden, Mm -hmm. to which my answer is I love Tyrese Maxey, 
but of course I would do yes, it. Yes, I would too. I would too. Uh, and look, Lillard is, I think, 30. Uh, let me check oh, is that. is he that old? Okay. But he's— Dan, Dan can check. Dan, if you got a sec. Dan, he's 32. He's, he's 32. He's 32? All right. Yes. Mm. Um, but he just came off a season where he averaged 32 points a game and seven more than seven assists. And oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, great. He's a great, great player. So I would take that chance. I would. Uh, I would if, – if there were a way to do it, if, if the way you framed it is right, Glenn, and I think it is, that you're basically trading James Harden and Tyrese Maxey and whatever – Secondary stuff to get Damian Lillard. I'm making that move. Here's the whole point. You are on the clock is ticking every season on Joel Embiid, mm-hmm. and God bless him. He's a terrific player. I don't think he's going to be around as long as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was. No, probably not. So it, the entire still, j- still time to develop a skyhook though. <laughs> I love that shot. Man. It's the greatest shot in the history of basketball. So the entire job of Daryl Morey is find a way to win while Joel Embiid is still the right. guy. Okay. Right. Lillard at thirty-two. He's really thirty-two. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's older than I thought. And he turns thirty-three in two weeks. All right. Lillard at thirty. He's getting older as the show's going on. For God's sake. We're all getting older as the show's going on. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the way it works. Doesn't go backwards unless you're Benjamin. What is it, Benjamin? Benjamin Button. Button. Yeah. 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 Weird movie. Anyway, Lillard at 33 is a guy who you 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 figure you have what two three years probably yeah, yeah. I'd still do it because what this is where we are yeah right. If it's another team, again we talked about the process and where you are and where you start and so on and so forth. This is what you got. You got Joel Embiid. You got to win now. Damian Lillard is the guy to get you there. Yeah, you've got. I like I like the idea of it more than. Uh, the idea of running it back with Harden, obviously. Does it increase your chances of making the Eastern Conference Finals and making a title run? In theory, yeah. Practice, what's the team around them? I mean, is Tobias Harris staying? Are you trading Tobias Harris, too? Probably staying. What kind of bench players and other starters If you make the Lillard trade, I think he's more likely, Tobias Harris is more likely to stay. Probably, because you're yeah. Not, you're looking, again, for now. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But, I mean, there's, uh, gosh, there's so many factors that go into it. Uh, you know, you look at a team like Denver, as great as Nikola Jokic is and was in the postseason, that's a team that's got pieces all over the place. You know, it's got yeah. Jamal Murray, and it's got, uh, you know, a po- another post guy other than Jokic who can score, and it's got Michael, Everybody's got Michael a role. Porter Everybody Jr. knows what they're doing. Everybody contributes yeah, in certain ways. Like th- Sixers don't really have that. No, and, and, the, and idea, the idea of all you need are two or three stars, and you can have anybody else out there with them, and it'll work, doesn't seem to hold up as much as it once did. Yeah, so you got to get lucky and sign a mid-level guy who gives you a really good season. Right. you got to get lucky and hope your draft pick this year contributes right. as a rookie. They have a draft pick this year? You got to you got to get lucky. They lost them. That's part of the reason why yeah, they didn't want to talk yeah. to Harden. That's apparently, right. yeah, you got to get lucky and just kind of have a couple of guys who give you that. See, I mean, it's kind of Miami in the postseason, right? Yeah, a bunch of guys named Joe played really well together after being the eight seed. Yeah, but it it also comes down to the difference between playoff basketball and regular season basketball. That, that to me no, is no. one of the the big reasons to move on from Harden. I think Harden has shown he's a regular season player much more than a postseason player. And are we worried that Embiid has shown that as well? Might be. Might be. It's kind of one more year. Right? Yeah. Right? If it yes. doesn't work, I don't, I would, I am not, nor do I anticipate calling for Joel Embiid to be traded, but it's kind of, 
okay, it didn't work with Simmons. Again, that, that was more Simmons than mm-hmm. Embiid. It didn't work with Harden and Embiid. Right. And now you're going to go in a different direction. If it's Lillard and Embiid, that's great. If it's Maxi and Embiid, that's what it is. There's And if it doesn't work, there's kind of one common thing in all of those things that hasn't worked yet. Yeah. I wouldn't trade him. The MVP. Yeah, I wouldn't trade him under I, – I can't imagine a set of circumstances in which I would tr- trade Joel Embiid, but that factor is – Tick there, tock. and you can't and you can't deny that biological it. clock is tick tick <laughs> like ticking a, like as this. Marissa Tomei said so well. <laughs> and at this rate, I ain't never gonna get a championship. <laughs> I loved her in that movie so she much. So deserved the Oscar. Oh yeah, was she was great. All right, I'm changing the topic here for a moment. By the way, if you want to call on all that, please do two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four. So, I want to talk a little NFL and gambling. And four more players were suspended the other day, which. Think now means nine players have been suspended so far in gambling, with more to come. Uh, the Lions and the Colts, particularly, getting hit by this thing. Mm-hmm. Now, mostly, as I read, mostly this is for placing bets, players placing bets on their phones, but doing it from inside the building, the yes. practice facility, or yes. whatever the, the stadium. Sometimes on football, sometimes on other sports. Um, there was one case actually where I, I see it as problematic, which is a guy named David Purdom who covers the Colts out there reported that Colts cornerback Isaiah Rogers won a $1,000 bet on his own team last year. Mm-hmm. It was a prop bet on the over-under on rushing yards by one of the Colts running backs. What is unusual is that most of the bets that this guy made, uh, Isaiah Rogers, were in the 25 to $50 range. Right. This one was for $1,000, so you figure, like, oh, he knew something in the game plan. and yep. like, Okay, so that can't do. We agree that that's, like, suspended. Exactly. Go away. But most of these guys, if you're betting an NBA game, you do it from home, you're okay. Mm-hmm. You're betting an NBA game, you do it from the, I think, the hotel on the road, you're okay. Maybe not, actually. But if you do it somewhere in the team facility, you're suspended. Yes. I just, I I have a problem with it in this sense. Everybody bets from everywhere Mm -hmm. every day now. This is what has happened. It is legal. You can bet on your phone. You can do it anywhere. The NFL is so in bed with all of this. You can't turn on a game and not see the advertisements for it. I mean, Mm -hmm. I turn on the the Phillies games. It really is a different sport, but same principle. And Tom McCarthy's got to give you the odds between yeah. pitches. It's advertisement after advertisement for nothing but betting. Right, which is which is into the programming now. Right. It's not just like we're going to commercial, it's advertising. It's like as the game is going on, they're giving you the stuff. Um, and I just think once that happens, once sports gambling is everywhere in the industry, it the league's got to figure this out. And and I I don't think it's fair to the players. No, it's almost um, you know you're you're trying to uh, empty the ocean with a teaspoon, right? Like you're going to stop all these guys mm-hmm. from placing these daily fantasy bets or daily bets on different kinds of sports. Look, the, obviously it goes without saying the integrity of the outcome of a sporting event is supposed to be primary when you're watching this. That's that's the whole premise of sports is that. You know, everybody's playing to win. Nobody's fixing. Otherwise, it's pro wrestling. And the reason— Which, by the way, you can bet on now. Yeah. 
Yeah. It's Go like figure betting, that. It's like betting on, you know, what character in a TV show is going to die first or yeah. something like that, be killed off first. Anyway. Probably good on that, too. <laughs> the, this was a different issue, I think, Glenn, back when athletes didn't make the money that they make now, right? That was the whole uh, reason behind, for instance, the Black Sox scandal in 1919 was that Charlie Comiskey, the owner of the White Sox, was so cheap, yeah. he wasn't playing his players well enough that they felt like they had to bet on themselves to lose to yep. make the money that they deserve to make. Yeah. That's generally not an issue now. And as you said, guys are betting 25 bucks, 50 bucks. It's more about the the daily thrill, the juice you get from it. But yeah, the leagues are all washing this stuff. How can they tell their I, own players not to do it? Right. How? I, it, and as I say this, it is on the players to know the rules. Mm-hmm. And if you're a player and you get suspended for this, you're you're a dope because right. you really ought to know the rules. And what's at stake is your contract, which is more important than the hundred dollars you're betting on the Brooklyn Nets. And I'm sure the ones who were suspended wish they had read those rules more carefully. But placing these suspensions side by side with the, just the massive influx that the league is getting from all this gambling stuff just makes it look a little weird. And by the and the Mannings doing commercials yeah, now for yeah. casinos and stuff, it's just it, it doesn't jibe. It's it's an interesting dynamic too, Glenn, on how the league's perspective on this has changed. I can remember back in two thousand four, I think it was, when I was working at the Bucks County Courier Times, I wrote a column arguing that a media member who covered the Eagles should be banned from their locker room because that media member was running a handicapping website at mm-hmm. the time that he was covering the Eagles. And I said, this this can't work. You cannot have this. He might find out that Terrell Owens' ankle is sore, Donovan mm-hmm. McNabb has a cold on a Sunday, and advise betters accordingly, and this is not permitted. I reached out to the NFL. The NFL did absolutely nothing about it. They acted, as far as I know, they acted like it didn't matter. Yeah. And here we are, you know, 15 Almost 20 years later. Yeah, your thing seems quaint now. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally quaint. Yes. All right, one other thing I wanted to get in here because there was uh, there was a perfect game in baseball this last week. It was the first time in 12 years, I think. 12 years, yeah. I mean, there's nothing. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 11. 2012. Yeah, 2012. Yeah. Okay. Right. Um, and it didn't, it didn't get a lot of attention, which, you know, you and I talked earlier. You think it kind of reflects where baseball is. I think it reflects a couple of things. I think, A, it reflects where baseball is and the fact that – it's more a regional sport now. It's not the NFL. Uh, it doesn't have the star power of its athletes, despite Shohei Otani's best efforts, uh, to get to become a discussion topic every day on ESPN or Fox Sports the way the NBA has. Uh, I also think the fact that it was thrown against the Oakland A's in a game that started at 10 o'clock yeah. Eastern time probably had something to do with it, too. Yeah, the A's are barely in the league. Anymore. Um, but. I mean, think about it. 10, 12, 15 years ago, a pitcher for the New York Yankees throws a perfect game. Yeah. That would have been major news everywhere. Oh, I think it was David Wells everywhere. and David Cohn were the guys who did it, and yeah. it was. It was yep. huge, huge, huge. Uh, and, and yeah, it wasn't. And, by the way, you and I, the thing is, you get now no hitters, but they're these stupid combined no hitters. You mean like the one in the World Series last year? Right. Which, by the way, and I know it was against the Phillies. Which like was, everybody's forgotten about. Right. It's it's you know Don Larson throws a perfect game in 1950, whatever. Roy Halladay throws the no hitter in the world in the playoffs. Excuse me. What, what year was that? 2010. Uh, and that's 
Boy, we remember that. The one that happened because it's three guys, four yep. guys. It's, to me, those don't count. No. They're not. Those are not no hit. It, I mean, they are technically, but mm-hmm. those don't go in the record book. You didn't do it. But this guy did. It was Domingo Herman of the Yankees. Congratulations to him. But the point I want to make is the best part for me is the Spanish language voice of the New York Yankees is our pal Ricky Ricardo. I could listen to Ricky Ricardo read the phone book. <laughs> Here's Ricky Ricardo at the end of the perfect game. He's the greatest. He's pretty He's darn good. He's pretty darn good. When the Eagles score a touchdown oh. in a big game and he makes the call, it is uh, electrifying. He's the greatest, yes. My favorite was the um, the double doink field goal. Yes. And it, and his no senor, no, no senor, senor, no senor. <laughs> yeah, it was, was the greatest. We'll see if we can dig that by the end of the show. Uh, Sorry I didn't prep Dan Wilson. Longtime friend and uh, co-worker with Rick James, that Ricky Ricardo. Oh, those stories are There's, amazing. He has some stories, man. He, yes, young Ricky Ricardo on the road with Rick James. was oh, pretty wild times. There, there's a great tell-all to be written uh, yeah. by Ricky one of these days. Anyway, and our... The greatest. Anyway, just one of the opportunities to play that. Cody, Cody Parkey bolts up in the middle of the night <laughs> in a cold sweat when he hears that. Uh, okay, we got one more segment. You want to come in? Uh, we will uh, take your call. But uh, the highlight of the show always, now that we've stolen all these little tidbits, Dan Wilson, we count on you to tell us what we forgot to talk about. I, is there going to be anything else? There's a we, few. There are. There's a few he's, we didn't get to. Yeah. He's got a break to uh, come up with some stuff. Okay, there you go. We'll get to Dan coming up with that. And your call is at 215-592-9494. He's Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, bring on the summer heat. Actually, it's been pretty nice, but it's going to get hot. Huge savings when you replace your old inefficient windows and doors with the great people at Guida Door and Window. Right now, Guida is offering the best discounts of the year. It's their big 40% off summer sales event on all expertly installed windows and doors. Now, if you have drafty windows, you've been meaning to replace them, this is the time because you can receive 40% off each window you buy. That's right, 40% off all high-performance, energy-efficient triple-pane windows Maybe it's your doors that are the problem. Guess what? Guide has got you covered there as well. 40% off all high-quality entry doors, patio doors, garage doors, storm doors. By the way, drive down my house, by my house, look at the storm door. It's from Guida. It's magnificent. Plus, you can start your project with no money out of pocket. You can pay it off interest-free for up to 12 full months. Don't let these incredible savings pass you by. Go Guida right now so you can take advantage of these limited-time savings. All prior sales excluded. Offer expires July 31st. Call Guida today. Schedule a free in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Macnow, 94 WIP. Let's talk to Al in Lansdale. Hey, Al, what's on your mind today? Hey, guys, how are you? Hi, Al. Hey, I was calling about your uh, topic about the players getting suspended, right? So yeah. Let me start off by saying, right, uh, I'm a gambler, right? So I play poker pretty seriously. I actually invited you, Glenn, to my house one time to play poker a while back, and we just couldn't make it work. 
Um, well, if you didn't a, live I, in Lansdale, I would probably right. do it. Al, I'm 15 minutes away. What the heck? All right, when I get my next tournament, you guys are in, all right? All right, sounds good. Um, so, and I, you know, I shoot dice, I'll play slots, but this constant, like, I forget about the players getting suspended, right? Like, this constant in your face every, every minute of the day where kids are watching, right? Mid-game where they're doing mid-game lines, you know, about, you know, the lines that the TV stations like Comcast are doing. It's just, it's wrong. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. It's unseemly. It's, it's icky. I agree yeah, with you, Al. It, it makes me cringe. Every time I watch a game, I see them pop up like mid-game lines. It makes me cringe. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the old, um, you know, assertion, philosophy, whatever, that just because something is legal doesn't mean you ought to be doing it or promoting it. And I agree with you. I just I don't like it. It doesn't feel right to have all that gambling advertising during a baseball game or a football game or a basketball game. There's just... It makes me feel icky. I can't think of another when I, word. When I hear Tom McCarthy, and I don't mean to put Tom on a spot, but when I hear Tom read it, I'm thinking, nah, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't be, want to He doesn't want to be this. doing this right now. Um, but here's the thing. Al, it, it ain't going back. It yeah. is, it, this is not, not going to turn around. Hey, by the way, Mr. Lansdale, I had, yep. I had to go to Lansdale uh, Thursday morning for a uh, get an injection in my hand because I got this thing. You, ever, you know what trigger finger is? Yeah. Okay. I had one of those. So I went to Lansdale. I drove over that new I-95 section. Spectacular. Spectacular. <laughs> I don't know if you've driven over it, but I was I like, not. I was really, hey, thanks for the call, man. I got to tell yeah, you, thanks. I was really impressed. Yeah, they did an amazing, amazing job. Yeah. Uh, getting that. I wish Big they American would... flag hanging over there. I think some union flags. And like, that thing's going, baby. Why did it? So why does it take so long to fix the rest of the highway? Well, because I think they dropped everything they were doing and yeah, just focused it all there. But uh, it, it nonetheless is pretty impressive. Political coup for our governor, without question. Shapiro came off really well. He in did. That. Yeah, he was. He and and I'll, I'll give him credit for getting it done, mm-hmm. but I'll also give him credit for seeing, like, this is an area where I can get the spotlight really favorably. Oh, yeah. And I think it's what people want out of their political and societal leaders is like competence just fix stuff take yeah. care of the things yeah. that government is supposed to take Absol- care of Abs- yeah. and do it in an apolitical manner which was yep. which was very cool so yes. congratulations to Josh or thank you Josh for that it was it was nice to drive it um 4th of July yes. are you a fireworks guy I don't mind a fireworks display. Uh, well, that is. It's that not was something the most lukey, lukewarm yeah, thing I've ever heard, Lucas. It's not something that I like seek out, or I'm like, oh, I get to see fireworks this time. Like if, if there's fireworks, great. If there's not, I'm not sweating it. I just need a barbecue I'm, and some I'm, beer, and I'm good. Okay, Fourth of July parades, marching bands. Yeah, that stuff. that's okay. Yeah, that's I'm, cool. I love all that. Stuff. That's cool. I get like very American on that. Yeah, thing. we're, not, we're you know. It's fine. It's fine. Like the parades and stuff, yes. Fireworks, eh. I could take a look. Oh, fireworks. big fireworks guy. Yeah. I like them. Although they've... So fireworks have really changed, and they did the ones last night at the Phillies mm-hmm. game, and fireworks are now drones, right? Yes. So fireworks are now, and I saw this, what they did last night. It was amazing. The drones first form Tug McGraw mm-hmm. in that moment where he wins the 80 World Series. Yep. And then the drones all move, and it's Mitch Williams jumping off the mound in 93, which is very cool. We haven't talked to Mitch. We should get Mitch back on the show sometime. I love Mitch. And then the drones became Brad Lidge on his knees in mm-hmm. 2008, and then they finished with Bryce Harper, the drones, as he you know does the thing over his chest. Right. And that's cool, but I think I like the old-fashioned ones better. I like the stuff that explodes. Yeah. 
I've been to a couple fireworks nights as a fan over the years, and uh, to see them over the ballpark is great. I'm, like I said, I'm not like jonesing to do them in my backyard on July 4th. Yes, please, everybody, don't blow off your hand. I, 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 I thoroughly recommend that. Uh, one other thing, happy birthday to my son Alex, my son-in-law Nathan. Dan Wilson, are you a fireworks guy? Yeah, I enjoy fireworks. I, I was glad to hear you say the Narberth fireworks. Those were my fireworks growing up. Right? Yeah, exactly. Right. You, you get the, the chair, you sit out Everyone on the lawn. Everyone piles into the Windwood Shopping Center. It's, 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 it's the whole thing. Yeah. Every year. Absolutely. Great stuff. Windwood right. Shopping Center is the place to be. No, it is. It's I funny. I actually go on the lawn over there where it's, you know. You... In Narberth? Yeah. I've actually, I don't think I've ever actually been in Narberth on fireworks. I was always a Windwood guy. You I don't know. across the street. Well, no, then I know. you're sitting on cement. I'm sitting on grass. I know, but you should. The shopping center. Is I know crazy. you get out quicker. I know I'm you get out away. quicker. People yeah. also camp. Like people do not screw around when it comes to those fire or any fireworks. People camp out like three hours yes. early. You got to get a good spot. It's all yeah, about the spot. You, you yeah. get your, you bring your hoagies there. That's, I, I get it's it. It's a whole thing. I'll be hey this week. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. There you okay. go. Okay. All right. What do we forget to talk about? All right. So a few things. We'll start in the world of college football. Uh, big moving day today. Fourteen teams realigning conferences. Uh, yeah, I, I figured. Uh, mostly in the Big 12 uh, in the AAC, yeah. which is Temple's conference. All right, can you explain to me, like, wh- what is the, the like the Big 10 now? What's the geography of the Big 10? Which oh, there's no geography. Of, there, I mean, there's no geography right. in any of these conferences. That's what I hate. Yeah. I like geography. I'm a fan of you. The Big 10 used to have the logo that basically showed those, you know, Michigan, mm-hmm. Ohio, Illinois, the, the yep. Indiana, you saw the states. Now the Big Ten is like California, Massachusetts. It's like stupid. You know what we're moving away from in sports, Glenn? We touched on this with the ESPN stuff, with the longtime people there who were getting laid off. Tradition. Like the Big Ten's yeah. supposed to be. Right. Ge- this is the way it always has been because it made sense. Yes. And now it's going away. I want Michigan to be playing Ohio State. Right. I'm sorry. Let me help. But let me be Ike's friend. I want Michigan State to be playing Ohio State. There you go. For some kind of championship, not schools from you know wherever. Yeah, USC, USC, yeah. and UCLA going to be playing in the Big Ten now. Right, right. Yeah, stupid. Yes. Uh, July first, Happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Ah, oh. uh, yeah, yeah. There we go. I was really hoping it wouldn't get mentioned up Explain. until this point. Yeah. So Bobby Bonilla Day, uh, back in the early two thousands when uh, the Mets were st- still under the leadership um, of the great con artist uh, and great. What Ponzi scheme we'll call it? Uh, Bernie Madoff. Yes, uh, they, they, they were using Ponzi they were using money. For yeah, them. so yeah. it was a Ponzi scheme, and they basically deferred the money. And every July first between 2011 and 2035, uh, Bobby Bonilla gets paid north of a million bucks, and it's a great thing that everyone gets to dunk on the Mets once a year. Yes. So one of the very first stories that I did on the Mets beat for the Wall Street Journal back in 2010 was the Bobby Bonilla story. Uh, it hadn't started right? yet. You were it, a year away. No, it was the it was it was a year away. I did yes. it. I did it a year it, before, before. Got it. Saying this is coming up a year from now, and I interviewed him. He happened to be in San Juan. The Mets were playing a series against the Florida Marlins in San Juan, Puerto Rico, and Bonilla happened to be there uh, with the Mets. And so I got to interview him in person about this contract. And I said, Bobby, I want to talk to you about your uh, deferred contract. He says, Oh, that beautiful thing. And then I said, So what do you think? He says. Every squirrel finds a nut, and that was it. I had the two, my two quotes of the story, oh, and that great. was that. That's and how long does it go till? Twenty thirty-five. Wow. Yeah, yeah. He makes a million. Was he a million was a genius, and, a and the Mets were just so so dumb. Yeah, it's great. Exactly. Yeah, one million one hundred ninety-three dollars, or one million one hundred ninety-three thousand two hundred forty-eight dollars and twenty cents. Exactly is what he gets paid every July first between July now 1st. and 
2035. What I don't like is Steve Cohen last year leaned into it on Twitter. Now he's like owning it. Yeah. He wishes all the Mets fans happy Bobby Bonilla Day. Like, yeah. no, you can't do that if you're no, owning the team. No. No. Steve Cohen hasn't figured out a lot of things. Yeah, it's always fun to see how many like key players for the Mets on in a particular year are getting outpaid by Bobby Bonilla. That yes, year, right. all, all like the minor league call ups and stuff. Right, all exactly. get less than the you know, guy who paid. Their their setup man is making less than Bobby Bonilla. Yes, you know? uh, one oh, this more year th- deserves it. Yeah, one more thing, Glenn, that I'm sure you are not a fan of. Did you see the new uh, MLB All Star jerseys that came out this week? I did not. Oh well, they're gonna. They don't wear the team's jerseys in the game anymore. Which they're like is the dumb. Mariners, co- which is dumb, and they wear the Mar- they're gonna be like the Mariners colors. And so I figured I'd get your guys' take on this because this is the last full week of baseball we have before the All-Star game. We're all going to kind of be split up throughout the summer here. Uh, So it's coming up on July 11th, 10 days from now. Uh, Bryce Harper will not be the starting DH. He lost out to J.D. Martinez. Uh, He's still eligible to be, you know, put in uh, as a reserve. Same thing with Nick Castellanos. Feels like he should be the Phillies All-Star. And, of course, Rob Thompson will be the NL manager. Thompson will be there. (sighs) Castellanos Castellanos has probably got the best shot. I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else... Maybe one of the pitchers ought Maybe to get there. Maybe Suarez right? or Walker? That'd be good. Probably Suarez more, I mean, because Walker got off to such a slow start. that I I actually like the fact that every team has to have one player there. I know a lot of people don't because a lot of, you know, good players lose that opportunity. Right. But if you're a fan of the, well, I guess the A's would be the mm-hmm. worst team in baseball, and you still are a fan, they should have, I have no idea who it's going to be. Me neither. But they should have somebody. Maybe Joe Rudy. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Gene Tennis. All yeah. right, one more uh, real last thing. Yeah, we were kind of just talking before the show, but we haven't mentioned it on air. Uh, all three of us are big fans of the Immaculate Grid. They have it for baseball. Yes. They now have it for basketball. Yes, I know you were doing it before the show. Yeah, I love this. This is this is the and Jack Fritz is the one actually that uh, turned me on to this. This is a website, immaculategrid.com, and every day I do it after my Wordle before I do my New York Times spelling bee. I have. Very yeah, how many games you are you playing daily I, now? I, I, the Learned League, Trivia League. I, I like <laughs> you got a lot of things. Yeah. I got a lot going on before eight in the morning. I got to tell you. Um, but anyway, this is a fun one, which is a three by three grid uh, going across one way. Sometimes it's teams. It's, it'll be like you know the the Pirates, the Reds, and then the third one will just be anything. And then going down, it'll be like the Phillies, the Astros, and then the last one will be like thirty home run season. And you have to like fill in the grids with individual players, and uh, I, I love it every day. I got eight out of nine today. I screwed up. Did you do yours? I did. Yeah, you you were stuck on Rockies Astros, right? I, yeah, I, I made a dumb guess. You I know. forget who I I guess some dumb backup catcher. You know, I got Dexter work. Fowler for him. No, I got a nine out of nine yeah. today. Did you? Yes. Good work. I did, yes. Well, there guys you go. Are, you guys are such nerds. <laughs> <laughs> they have it for the NBA now, too. I've been doing that. They're going to have it for all sports soon Immaculate enough. Grid. They, should, they should do it for movies. Do they do it for movies? Ooh, you could. Kevin Bacon. The Kevin Bacon game. <laughs> Kevin Bacon just works for every square. The Kevin Bacon <laughs> grid, yeah. You, you could do it for a lot of things. But, yes, great recommendation. Find Immaculate Grid. Dot com and send me your results on social media because I'd love to see them. All right. Great job by you, Dan Wilson. Thank you, Dan. You're off next week. I'm off next week and probably a couple more weeks yeah, after that. Okay. Well, so, I won't play the theme song again until you get back. I appreciate that. This was like a one-time thing, like Springsteen popping up in Asbury Park at a we'll be corner together. bar. We'll be together again. All we right, will. everybody. Um, Go Birds Radio coming up next. James and Elliot. Dan, great job. Uh, we'll see you next week. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. 
Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.